When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, Art. Good to see you. Nice to be here. Uh, happy to be back on another episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. Money. Bum, 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 What's Money. <laughs> I need more allowance, you're delayed. Dosh, dosh, money, money, money. So many songs about money. Money, 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 money. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense, Andy. Uh, Yeah, but you know what, Art? More money, more problems. Oh, Andy, a beautiful segue of ever for today's topic because that was pretty slick, huh? Very slick, much like today's topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Oak Island Money Pit. The Oak I- the mystery of Oak Island. The Oak Island Money Pit. Andy, there is a unbelievable wealth, a fortune of of many different things. We don't know what. It could be pirate fortune, could be lost. Spanish doubloons, it could be... Uh, There's definitely maybe something there. There might be maybe something there, and it might be worth money at some point There's definitely potentially something of value buried on Oak Island. And people have been trying to excavate this fucking island and this quiche for hundreds of years. Multiple hundreds of years. And multiple different people. And they can't do it More until today. More than 200 years. Now, Andy, this was sent to into us. Uh, this topic was sent into us by a bunkfunker. By a bunkfunker, yes. This came to us from Josie Wales. Thank you, Josie. Thank you, Josie. The outlaw Josie Wales. And we did check. Not actually Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would have been badass if that Clint Eastwood. would have been cool. But Josie, nonetheless, right. great topic. Excellent topic. Uh, We love this topic. We love it. Thank you for sending it in. Uh, Andy uh, has been overly excited about this topic. I come every day thinking about this topic. (laughs) And if you bunk bunkers are like Andy, which I, God, I surely hope you aren't. Oh, boy. If you are, please seek help. (laughs) 
But if you want, and you want to get to this topic as soon as possible, because you can't wait, because it is very fun. It's a treasure hunt. It's a mystery. whole bunch of stuff. Uh, very fun topic. And if you can't wait to get to it, as always, check out the show notes. Look at the episode description. There will be a timestamp. Let's just skip this lore intro first section. Okay? And uh, you know what? If you like the lore, you head on over to the, the Bunker subreddit, which we are not affiliated with. <laughs> and we do not visit, and we will never participate in. That's right. <laughs> you guys are going to have to come to us for an AMA. <laughs> yeah. uh, Reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Mr. Bunker pod. It's just a fun community. Want to want to get the word out about that community. Yeah. Uh, other bunk fuckers. <clears throat> we just recently discovered it, and it's very yeah cool. It's neato. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, we got to update you on our lives as the daddies. Oh, God. We are two daddies living the life. You know, we're peeved. Uh, we're peeved, of course. You know, we're out here. We're facing persecution everywhere we go for a non-traditional family. That we are horribly grotesque, cryptid looking creatures. Mm-hmm. I haven't showered in three months. Andy is a very pink Kirby-esque marble man who's frictionless. Mm-hmm. I am a grotesque, haunting gray putty creature with large bulbous shoulders and scraggly hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're disgusting. We know right, that. But right. Art, looks like, we... Art looks like a villain from the Power Rangers right. and I look like Kirby. That's right. And that's who we are now after all the uh, different things that we've been through in our lives right. doing this podcast. Yeah. And as always, some something has happened to us this week because we, you know, here's the thing, Bugfuckers, we're not going to fucking do this podcast every week unless we have to. Yeah. But something always happens every single week. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. That forces us to podcast. Yeah. We we are I wouldn't even say that we're in we're drawn to podcasting. We are forced to podcast That's right. every week. Um you these know, people it's are almost writing in. There was this, you guys are so natural. You guys are so great. And then there's an even greater multitude of people saying, like, please stop, take all your way your microphones. You guys are awful. Who would want to listen to this frat house chatter? Um so many stupid gimmicks being shoehorned in. Yeah, there's all this like dumb shit in the front before you guys get to the topic where you just inevitably end up reading off a of Wikipedia. You guys are government shills. That's true. And it's, I mean, and we get it. And we hear your your claims. Shills for Pedialyte. You keep talking about how you have diarrhea all the time. You try to quit trying to sell me electrolyte replacement drinks. It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> We but, don't want to do this. Right, but we're being we're forced. winners. We don't need to do this. Yeah, we're being, we want to just go away and have our family. Yeah, but we're being but forced we're being into forced it. Forced every week. And this week was like no different. Some Andy. different person shows up. This week was no different. This week was no different. I mean, here we go. You know, we did we did our typical thing, our typical Wednesday night trip to Kohl's. We're just trying to go to Kohl's and do some family shopping. Uh, you know, we are famously in a fortress of Walmart's and. Kohl's is a breath of fresh air. It's so nice. It's such a such a nice change of pace. Clothes from strewn everywhere. Barely anybody working there. Um, uh, very strange, strange collection of housewares, uh, small appliances for your kitchen. Right, right. Cookware, right. towels. We love it all. We love to go to Kohl's. We love those little electronic uh, boards that tell you how much something is. Uh, we love the- you know. Yeah, we love its position uh, as the capstone of a near-empty mall. Uh, we love Coles. We can't get enough Coles, and we go every Wednesday. And I love things that shouldn't be spelled the way that they are. Yeah, it should be spelled C O L E, like the slaw. 
Yeah. But instead it's K O H L. Like just for fun. It's just like, hey, fuck you, I'm gonna spell it how wow. I want. I mean, Bunkfunkers from Wisconsin, you get a load of this? Or K O H. What did I say? Wow. Bunkfunkers from Wisconsin, you getting a load of this? Art shitting all, all over the coal name. Jeez. Sorry. Wow. I'm giving it a compliment. I'm saying I'll spell it however I want to spell it. Oh, I see. You're misunderstanding me, Andy. Oh. Which is what kind of happened today, a big misunderstanding. <laughs> this was a big misunderstanding. Okay. So, Bunkfunkers, we we plan, I mean, first of all, first of all, the prices at the mall food court are ridiculous. I'm going to pay six fifty for a quart of bourbon chicken and two cups of steamed rice? I don't think so. I'm not made of money. Yeah. So we did I'm not shelling out three fifty for a Sabaro slice either. Right. We we like to treat the mall as like our trip to Coles, our weekly trip to Coles is like a chance to picnic. We go to the food court, we sit there, we bring our food from home, we bring our barbecued ribs, <laughs> we bring our baked potatoes. That's right. Uh we bring our corn on the cob. And we post up. And we post up. We eat there in the food court or, you know. Uh, today, this is the problem. We got there. Maybe David Crosby had to eat. That's right. So he's an adult baby. Yeah. We can't wait until we get to the food court. We're in the coals. We're shopping. That's right. We're fingering everything in there. We're touching things. We're telling Peon Musk to try things on, you know, because he's always ripping his clothes. Yeah. We're telling him to try stuff on, you know, stuff we know won't fit him. Stuff that doesn't even look good on him. Uh, but we tell him to try it on just because... Why not? Why would you know it's fine? You it's go cold. into those dressing rooms, all the doors are off their hinges. It's fucking filthy in there. Yeah. Shit everywhere. Needle. Graffiti. You know, just those little used pins. needles. <laughs> used heroin needles. You know, like a Coles. Just it's regular Coles. It's a regular Coles. So baby David Crosby, of course, he's hungry. You know, we can tell he's he's got that thing where he's like, you know, putting his hands to his mouth. Oogling uh, the the mannequins. Drooling. Yeah. And he the keeps, topless mannequins. Yeah. And he keeps saying, I'm hungry. I would like to eat, please. And stuff like that. So we you know. You and babe, it's like, you know, you, you pick up on what your baby's yeah, trying to daddies, say. When you're daddies, you figure it out. You right, know, right. You, you don't, they don't need to speak clearly for you to understand. You know what they're saying. I'd like you some know, food. What? I'm pretty hungry. I didn't eat. I didn't have a snack before I came here. And it's like, okay, all right, all right. Somebody's <laughs> all right. cranky. Okay. Let's try to change your diaper first. But it turns out, no, he needs needs to eat. So- we did the only sensible thing. I mean, we have to feed a baby. Sure, it's not traditional, but we need to use the breastfeeding room so we That's can right. take baby David Crosby in there and have him eat his barbecue ribs in peace. Away from prying eyes, uh, he needs just a little bit of privacy to eat, <laughs> to eat his barbecue ribs and his peach cobbler. <laughs> like all babies do. And sip his lemonade. I mean, is that... I, I, I like what the fuck? I mean, I mean, just because I can't feed him from my own breasts because my breasts don't pump barbecue ribs out of them, like I'm somehow less of a parent. Just because yeah, we're not allowed to use the breastfeeding room. Just because Art's breasts don't have creamed corn flowing through them, like somehow we're bad parents. So we get all this fucking flack. I know from people this at Coles. Fucking manager. Oh my god. Oh my god. Freaking Peter up here. Freaking Peter. Peter, the manager of Coles. Peter, Coles manager, in there saying, you can't use the breastfeeding room. It's for nursing mothers. Yeah. It's like, and it's like, how discriminatory is yeah, this? Yeah, this is fucking ridiculous. And we're like, yo, Peter, we're two daddies, and we got to feed our baby. And we baby. did that. We did the shaka thing we with our a- fingers, and we tried to, like, you know, we got the pinky and the thumb. That's what I that like is. to pretend it's a phone receiver. 
an old fashioned phone receiver. And I go, yellow, <laughs> Peter. Peter, we got to feed our baby, dude. Okay. Yeah. Hey, pick up Peter because, uh, Peter, Peter, I got a call from earth here. Mr. Spaceman, uh, come back to reality, <laughs> brother. And he's giving us the business. You know, oh, he's, he's over here saying, oh, it's for nursing mothers. We only have one room. He's saying all this room. bullshit. He won't fucking budge. Yeah, he's he keeps saying, oh, your baby's an adult human. You know, it doesn't. you don't need to take it to a mothering room. I mean, right. it's just like, it's so... It's so degrading. So degrading. It makes us feel like And trash. you know what? I, I got a little peeved and I got a little heated and I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I started fucking trying to roast this guy in front of all of his employees to, you know... <laughs> To demoralize him, <laughs> to demoralize him in front of his, because that's the thing, you know. So I started going over to some of the cashiers, and I was like, "Hey, get a little of this pumpkin eater." And they were kind of like, "What are you? Who are you?" And I was like, "This pumpkin eater over here, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, Peter, pick to pick a pepper peppers." Trying to trying to do like schoolyard yeah. stuff with him. It's a good tactic. I mean, you gotta cut the legs out from bullies like Peter. That's right. But of course, as artists want to do, he ratcheted up the roasts too hard, too fast. Cause he went straight from Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater to this guy can't satisfy another human being sexually. And Peter started crying. That's true. That's true. That's true. And and you know, I started roasting Peter and I started saying things like, you know, he's uncomfortable about his height. Uh, he finds it difficult, uh, it, you know, and things like that. Cause you know, he was, he was like, probably like, he was probably like five, seven, five, eight, you know? And so I just started roasting him. Yeah. On that. And I started saying things about his, you know, family life. I said like his dad probably never liked him. Yeah. I, I have a problem with roasts. I really do take it up to 11. You know, he said you, you'd think a guy who works in a clothing store could find something that doesn't make his body look like a garbage bag full of melon seeds. I did say those things and I'm not going to issue an apology. I'm not, I don't regret it, but I will say this. I'm going to work on my roasting so that I can get, you know, I kind of am between like a, uh, like I go from like three to 11. I want to hit a six or a seven, which is a sweet spot. Yeah. Cause then, you know, you start hitting that 11. I've realized that people start to empathize with the person that I'm mm -hmm. um, go too hard, too fast. Yeah. But, uh, I had him, I had him in there with those pumpkin eater bits. I really think yeah, he was some squirming. Of his, he yeah, was starting to squirm. He was sweating. Some of the some of the cashiers and the stockers there in Coles were, yeah. yeah, they were. You could tell they were like, "Oh, this really undermines our confidence in Peter." But Peter wouldn't budge. No, he wouldn't budge. So we said, "You know what, Peter? Fine. You don't want to let us in the mothering room. We're going to demand a breast milk feeding tax. We're demanding a tax for everybody who walks in there." And we had an impromptu Coles Council meeting, uh, which is a body of our own creation and art and I are the only members and right. our votes are the only ones that count. <laughs> That's right. 50, and the 50. measure passed unanimously easy. And the Coles now is bound by this law. That's right. Uh, that was passed by the Coles council. That's right. And nothing Peter could do about that. Nothing. No matter what he could try. There's no legal wrangling. There's no getting out of this. He, he didn't realize he was messing with two winners. So he starts, you know, all of a sudden the backpedaling starts. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's like, hey, where's your fucking bicycle, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're going the wrong direction, fella. Yeah. And I had that phone receiver out, and I was like, uh, Earth to Peter again. What's up, dude? And he's like, oh, well, I don't want any trouble. Um, and so then they agreed to let us use the, the breastfeeding room. That's right. So we went into the breastfeeding room. Uh, now there was a nursing mother inside the breastfeeding room. We did ask her to leave. Right. 
We did ask her to we leave. We did usher her out and said, you go use one of the dressing rooms. Just move the needles to the side. You'll be fine. Right, right. Stop. Stop fucking crying. Yeah. Why are you crying so much? We had to say that to the baby and to the mother. I mean, it was very shameful that they would cry like that. At just a simple request of being asked to leave. We would have already fed adult baby David Crosby and they could have free reign. And here's of- the thing. It's like, uh, I, I, maybe it's just this Coles. But like, yo, leave your breast pump behind as a courtesy thing. Let us fucking borrow it. Yeah, we don't have. We're thirsty. Yeah, we don't have our own breast pump. But lucky- How else are we going to pump barbecue sauce onto adult baby David Crosby's ribs? Tell me. Tell me, nursing mother. Tell yeah. me. Where are we going to get that barbecue sauce? And this is what we were shouting at her when she, you know, hesitated for even a moment to leave the the, the nursing room That's when right. we asked. So, you know, luckily for us, luckily. this is one of those coals with a breast pump installed in the wall. <laughs> Now, normally, what you find at Coles is hidden cameras. And oh, holes. there were definitely there were definitely hidden cameras in this room. Oh, okay, for sure. All right, Peter's a freak, <laughs> sick pervert. Yeah, Peter pervert is what we Peter pervert. Yeah, oh, I should have gone with that one. Peter, Peter pervert, Peter. So they got the breast pumps. They got the breast pump there installed in the wall. That's right. And so we're like, okay, this is good. Yeah. Uh, so. So then, yeah, I mean, I did, you know, return that other mother's breast pump, but at that point I couldn't find her. So I just fucking threw it on the ground. <laughs> I didn't well, tell you that. You know, we, you had, you could, you can only make an attempt. I mean, I couldn't find her. Yeah. I looked. Yeah. We opened the door and looked and she wasn't immediately within the vicinity. So just throw it on the ground. She'll figure it out. And so, you know, we did what we did, what we do, you know, we, <laughs> Art, Art and I, you know, smeared barbecue sauce and yeah. barbecued ribs and on our baked breasts. beans and cornbread and uh, corn on the cob and peach cobbler all over our breasts. And we hooked up the pump. <laughs> and something wrong with this Coles. Yeah. Because this thing went too hard. Yeah. Right away, we both got sucked into the breast pump. Yeah, big time. And then we got spit out back here in the bunker. I don't know. Maybe we got played by Peter. Yeah, I don't. I think that we should really look into this, Peter, because, you know, now that I mention it, he was a. He was a pretty beefy guy. Mm, yeah, he was. He does seem like the type that could pull off something like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that backpedaling was all just a ruse to get us back here in the bunker mm. just to get rid of us. Mm. I mean, you know, it was weird, too, how he kept shouting at us. I am Mr. Bunker, and I am going to return you to the bunker so you can podcast for me. As soon as you guys go into that breastfeeding room, that breast pump room, which, by the way, doesn't exist in a Coles in any way, shape, or form, but you guys keep asking about it, so I installed it on your trips to the food court, and now I'm going to suck you into a breast pump and shoot you back out to the bunker. It was like... I was like the peanuts. I I pulled out my phone again and I'm like, uh, Peter, can you start making some sense here? Fella? Ringy ding ding. I need some common sense here. Yeah. So yeah, he starts shouting about how he is Mr. Bunker. He's, he has been abducting us all along. This is Mm -hmm. just another abduction for him. And Peter isn't a real person that the whole Coles is fake. The mall shut down years ago. It's been abandoned. 
Uh, it's not even well done. How that woman was an animatronic yeah, thing that there he was no scrapped from Chuck E. Cheese and then put inside of a mannequin. All about how we need to stop lying about all these events that happened to us because we're making up stories yeah, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, I don't even understand what this guy is saying. It sounds like he was speaking a foreign language. I mean, how is this guy a manager of a Coles? This is some like Coles corporate mumbo jumbo. <laughs> I don't even understand. Like, don't yeah. quote me the rule book for Coles. Yeah. I don't work here. Yeah. Big Coles, thick Ike. And I don't want to work here. I'm saying we should start going to TJ Maxx instead. Yeah, I think you're right. I like TJ Maxx. Way more clothes strewn all over the floor. No organization at a TJ Maxx, which I love. It's like an adventure. Yeah, there's a modicum of organization at Coles, but at the TJ Maxx, it's a free for all. <laughs> and that's what I like. That's true. You know, but I think we should keep an eye on this Peter guy because clearly he knows how to get to the bunker. That's true. We gotta, we're on the lookout for Peter and uh, Peter, Peter, pervert eater. Yeah, Peter, Peter, pervert eater. And um, and, and bunkfuckers, today, uh, today's topic, we're on the lookout for money, money, money. Oh, baby. We want to get rich and quick. <laughs> and there's one way to do it, and that's to excavate. And that's to spend 200 years searching for a treasure on an island off the coast of Canada. Yeah. Yeah, that is to uh, basically dedicate your entire life. Talk about getting rich quick, huh? Yeah. Dedicating your entire life oh, to... Also, it's, it's wildly expensive. <laughs> you only have to invest a couple million and you are going to make such a big return. I promise you. But that's today's topic. Uh, this is the mystery of Oak Island, the money pit. Title pending. <laughs> Here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Money, 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 money. Bunk Funkers, as you know, Art and I are completely obsessed with the A&E series Storage Wars. We've been <laughs> all in <laughs> on the show since it first aired in 2010, and we've been there every step of the way since, cracking open lockers and looking for loot. And oh my God, are we so glad it's back on the air and that Barry is back. You know, they say that Barry is back, but in my heart. He's always been around, Andy. Yup. And, you know, Bunk Funkers, Arthur and I are such big, sweaty, obnoxious, disgusting, greasy, unbearable, rude, and horrible fans of Storage Wars. It should come as no surprise to you that we've tried our own hand at the Storage Locker game. And, of course, we do it while playing parody characters from the show. Yeah, just cosplaying as characters from the show isn't good enough for us because none of the characters on Storage Wars are irritating enough to match our personalities. Mm -hmm. So we need really awful characters to play. <laughs> and boy, do we have some doozies, huh? I often go as Daryl Shits, a parody of Daryl Sheets. But my character constantly gets diarrhea during bidding. And every time the auctioneer thinks I made a bid, I go, Nope. Sorry, not a bid. I shit my pants. <laughs> it's a classic character. Classic. Here's the thing. Peek behind the curtains here, bunkfuckers. But Andy... Doesn't actually poop his pants when he's playing Daryl Shits. No, that's true. I tried doing that and I got dehydrated and passed out too much. Way more than usual. Uh, so instead I started doing what they do in the movies, which is using pig diarrhea. Good trick, Andy. Anyway, thanks. I famously go locker hunting as a Dan Dotson type character called Dan Dashhound. 
Now, Dan Dotson is, of course, an auctioneer who's appeared in every season of Storage Wars. And just like Dan Dotson, Dan Dashhound is also an auctioneer. But unlike Dan Dotson, though, Dan Dashhound dresses in a wiener dog costume. Now, Dan Dashhound treats the actual auctioneer as one of the bidders and, uh, and lives to sow chaos wherever he goes. Okay, as well as very clearly being a human in a costume who is constantly eating Began strips, brand dog treats while shouting, It's Began! They're the roles we were born to play, baby. Bunkfunkers, while A&E's Storage Wars is exhilarating on a number of deeply confusing levels, it's also a long-running TV show which is basically about treasure hunting. You know, if you define treasure as objects placed by producers to make more compelling TV. Uh, and today... We're covering perhaps the longest-running actual treasure hunt in history, the Oak Island Mystery. Oak Island Mystery is essentially about a really old storage locker, uh, which is an island, where people suspect untold riches are sealed away, just waiting for a worthy bidder. So let's grab our shovels and our treasure maps, and let's jump into the borehole enchilada on the Oak Island Mystery. And what better way to start off this story and by providing a very factual description of Oak Island, huh? Oh, yeah, great way. Oak Island is an island. It's true in uh, uh, Lunenburg County in Nova Scotia in Canada. Uh, Oak Island's 57 hect hectares. 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 Hmm. Are privately owned. And the island is about 200 meters from the mainland and is connected to the shore by a man-made causeway. More on that later. Now, while the exact timeline of human habitation on, uh, uh, on Oak Island is not known for certain, it is known that the indigenous um, Mi'kmaq people uh, had a major presence in what's now Nova Scotia, as well as the surrounding areas. As for European settlement of Oak Island, the earliest confirmed residents were French fishermen in the 1750s. The first recorded owners of Oak Island were New York fish merchants Richard Smith and John Gifford. 15 in 1753 excuse me oh. a little little later than that uh in 1761 oak island was surveyed and in 1762 the island was split into 32 lots during the early british settlement period the island was called smith's island named after edward smith who was an early settler of the land the island was renamed uh uh gloucester isle in 1778 by Joseph Frederick Wallet de Bars. <laughs> what? I think that's it, right? Joseph Frederick Wallet de Bars. What, do you, what would you say? I assume it's Joseph Frederick Wallet de Barre, but. Oh. Joseph Frederick Wallet de Barre, if you want to be fancy, a cartographer. Not long after that, Oak Island became the official name. Fuck you, Gloucester Isle, and fuck. Joseph Frederick Wally DeBarre for thinking of that stupid ass name. Yeah, man. You fuck that dude. Dummy with your dumb name. Dumbass. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> now that we know a little bit about Oak Island, let's talk about the mystery of Oak Island. The mystery is basically all of the stories and speculation about possible treasures that are buried on Oak Island. We're talking anything from pirate treasure to the Ark of the Covenant, which might have been buried there by the Knights Templar, which is a big deal if true. I don't know about you, Bunkfunkers, but I'm Indiana Jonesing to learn more. So, we'll be honest with you right up front here, Bunkfunkers. Early treasure hunting efforts on Oak Island are not well documented, and the stories have mostly been passed down by word of mouth. 
Eventually, they ended up in writing, as we'll mention, but those print versions were retellings of the original events. All of this means that there's no real way to quote-unquote verify the earliest stories, and some of the details vary depending on the source. Now, having said all that, the genesis of the Oak Island mystery, the initial treasure hunt story, centered around searching for treasure left behind by the pirate, Captain Kidd. Captain William Kidd was a Scottish sea captain and had a reputation as a pirate, and was in fact executed for piracy in 1701. But he was a bona fide privateer, and the accusations of piracy came after he captured a ship with an English captain. It was kind of a political thing that he ended up being considered a pirate. Uh, at any rate, a big part of Captain Kidd's lore is that he left behind buried treasure. This rumor turned out to be kind of true. He buried a bit of treasure on Gardner's Island off Long Island in New York State in the USA. The governor of New York at the time had the treasure dug up and sent back to England as evidence against Captain Kidd in his piracy trial. So Captain Kidd was essentially a verified treasure barrier. Allegedly, early settlers of Oak Island claimed that one of Captain Kidd's crew members was dying and told the settlers a treasure worth two million pounds sterling was buried on Oak Island. With all that in mind, the earliest story of actual treasure hunting in this is the story of Daniel McGuinness, or maybe Daniel McGuinness. Uh, the name and spelling can vary from source to source, but to Andy's point earlier, Daniel's story first appeared in print in 1857, and the main event itself happened in the 1790s. Uh, and the person giving the account in 17, 1857 was not Daniel himself. So it's a secondhand, it's a good... 70 years, years later. Um, so, you know, you've got some, uh, there's some room for interpretation here. Yeah. At any rate, as the story generally goes, Daniel, who was 38 at the time, found a depression in the ground in lot 18 on Oak Island in 1795. Or maybe in 1799. We, you know, somewhere along those lines. It was an app. Four-year span. Yeah. The ground in the depression appeared to Daniel to slow, to show evidence of having been worked on before because it was less hard-packed than the surrounding soil. Some versions of the tale say that Daniel was on Oak Island looking for a suitable place to start a farm. Some versions say Daniel was on a fishing trip when he found the depression. Still, others say that Daniel was on Oak Island just looking for adventure. And whatever comes his way. Now, just for fun, Bunk Funkers, the TV show In Search Of... Dot, 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 did an episode on Oak Island in 1979. And they recreated their version of the McInnes story and felt the need to say it was a recreation like you might get confused and think that this was video footage from 19 from 1795. <laughs> Thank you, Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> so if you watch the video linked in the show notes, try to keep in mind that it's not actual footage of Daniel McInnes. It's a it's a 1970s recreation. Bunk right. Bunkers. Don't get fooled. Right. Like Don't I get, did. Right. Anyway, some versions of the story say there was an oak tree over the depression with a weird branch or a missing branch or with a block and tackle suspended on the branch over the depression. Daniel saw an anomalous oak and figured the depression was probably related to Captain Kidd's treasure because why wouldn't you think that in this situation? <laughs> Great question. So he went back to the mainland to get help to dig up the loot. Now, in most versions, Daniel recruited the help of John Smith, age 19, and Anthony Vaughn Jr., age 13. Why and how a nearly 40-year-old man recruited the services of two teens for this project is information that's lost to history. <clears throat> What's not lost 
is an 1870 account in the history of Lunenburg County, which also listed Samuel Ball among the party. Ball escaped slavery in the USA, fled to Canada, became a cabbage farmer on Oak Island, and eventually died as the largest landowner in Nova Scotia and one of the province's wealthiest residents. Ball has become a part of the lore, and it's even been suggested that treasure dug up on Oak Island may have helped Ball build his wealth. But regardless of the exact members, together, the group went back to Oak Island and began digging. Two feet below the surface, the group found a layer of flagstones. Early accounts report that the group found some type of marks, as in something to mark the depth, every 10 feet. Later accounts say that there were platforms made of oak every 10 feet. So accounts uh, also say that the group found, or some accounts uh, also say the group found tool marks on the walls of the hole. The team dug down to a depth of 30 feet, and then they quit digging. Some accounts say they gave up due to quote-unquote superstitious dread. Some accounts say they gave up after digging as much as they could. Whatever the reason, they didn't find any treasure. But they did find just enough intrigue to get other treasure hunters hot and horny for a big old booty full of looty. In fact, the spot where McInnes and crew started digging is known today as the Money Pit. And what a treasure it would have been if Daniel McGinnis had dug up a VHS copy of the 1986 Tom Hanks and Shelley Long film, The Money Pit. <sighs> but alas, it was not to be, Andy. What a shame. I think Daniel McGinnis would have liked that movie from 1986. He loved dark comedies, Daniel McGinnis did. Anywho, after the McGinnis group, a number of different treasure hunters have come to Oak Island to try and get that VHS. Or Captain Kid's Treasure. Or whatever. Whichever one. <laughs> Around 1802, a group co-formed by Simeon Linz, who was Anthony Vaughn Jr.'s cousin, um, came out to Oak Island to further the excavation started by the McInnes team. The new group was called the Onslow Company, and they dug out the money pit to a depth of about 90 feet. Similar to the early excavators, the Onslow Company allegedly found marks every 10 feet of depth in the money pit. They found layers of logs, charcoal, putty, and of all things, coconut fiber. At the 90-foot mark, the group also allegedly found a large stone, which had some weird symbols on it. The stone was reportedly dark Swedish granite with an olive tint, and it, also said, uh, it was also said that the stone was not common to the area. After this stone was removed, the workers used a crowbar or a metal rod to probe the ground underneath. This was common practice for the group at the end of the workday. On this particular day, the metal rod hit a solid object at a depth of about 98 feet. With something to look forward to, the excavators ended their work for the day. But when they came back to the money pit, they found the pit flooded with 60 feet of water. Although, according to an 1862 version, after the Onslow Company reached a depth of 80 or 90 feet, the money pit flooded to 30 feet, 33 feet, below the surface. The money pit has water in its hidey hole. Art. So to try to remedy this situation, the Onslow company brought in a water pump. This pump must have been working hard because the pump burst before any water got to the surface. Faced with this dilemma, the Onslow company decided to try to get the treasure by digging a second tunnel 110 feet deep and 14 feet east of the money pit. They'd use this tunnel to get underneath the money pit where they could snag the treasure. This new tunnel almost made it underneath the money pit when, all of a sudden, the tunnel began to flood. So for all its work, 
The Onslow Company didn't get any treasure, but what they did get were two wet shafts. But two wet shafts won't pay the bills. Believe me. It's true. And so the Onslow Company ceased operations after running out of money. The Onslow Company was a bit of a bust, but their efforts did have an impact on how other treasure hunters approached the mystery of Oak Island. Ever since, treasure hunters have focused on trying to figure out the sophisticated flooding and drainage system on the island. The next major effort on Oak Island and the last major effort before accounts of treasure hunting activities on Oak Island started to appear in publication was undertaken by the Turo Company. The Turo Company was allegedly formed in 1849 by a group of investors which supposedly included Anthony Vaughn Jr. and his cousin, Simeon Linz. Now, um, this is this is the treasure hunting crossover that we've been waiting for. Yeah, you. this is like the treasure Avengers. Now, the Turo Company re-re-excavated the money pit to a depth of 86 feet, which is when the money pit flooded again. At this point, the group drilled, uh, decided to drill five boreholes into the money pit shaft uh, using a pod auger, which would allow the group to bring samples of anything encountered by the auger up to the surface. At 98 feet deep, at, at, at 98 feet depth, the auger hit a platform made of spruce. Then the auger hit a la layer of oak, something that was described as, quote, metal in pieces, more spruce, and then seven feet of clay. Two more boreholes went into this underground parfait, and both times, metal was brought up to the surface. And there were other things like wood and coconut fiber. This layer, by the way, is suspected to be the same solid object detected by the Onslow Company before the money pit flooded. The findings led the Turo Company to wonder if the beach on Oak Island was used was being used as a siphon, bringing seawater into the money pit via a man-made tunnel. To test this hypothesis, the company dug another hole northwest of the money pit. They dug down to 109 feet depth and, much like the Onslow Company, tried to dig a tunnel under the money pit. And, much like the Onslow, Onslow Company, the Turo Company's tunnel flooded with seawater. After the flooding, the Turo Company observed that the water in this new pit rose and fell with the tide, so they assumed it was connected to the ocean somewhere. At this point, the Turo Company turned its attention to Smith's Cove on Oak Island, which is a bit north and east of the money pit. When they started excavating Smith's Cove, the company found a flood tunnel system. They tried to shut down the flood system, but it didn't work. So they dug another shaft to 118 feet depth and once again tried to dig a tunnel under the money pit. At some point, the bottom of the money pit collapsed. This led some later treasure hunters to suspect that the treasure fell through this new tunnel and into a void. Whatever the case, the new shaft flooded as well. The Turo Company ran out of money and ceased operations in 1851. Now, treasure hunting continued on Oak Island after the Turo Company left, but the next eventful effort was undertaken by the Oak Island Association in 1861. The association re-re-re-excavated the money pit down to 88 feet depth. They also dug two additional shafts. The first shaft was supposed to hit what was believed to be a flood tunnel, but it missed. The second shaft ended up hitting one of the tunnels dug by a previous expedition to connect to another shaft to the money pit shaft. This intersection of shafts <laughs> <laughs> happened at about 105 feet below the surface in what surely is not a surprise now. Both of these shafts uh, filled with water after yet another suspected flood tunnel was breached. Jesus Christ. 
At some point during all of this, one of the platforms found at 98 feet depth in the money pit collapsed and dropped further down. Platforms below this one also dropped, meaning the treasure was now estimated at 119 feet depth, uh, along with a bunch of other stuff, including 10,000 board feet of lumber, which is a lot of wood. A lot of wood in these shafts. <laughs> you aren't kidding, Art. Now, the Oak Island Association's activities on the island were notable for these blunders, but also notable because the association experienced the first treasure hunting related death. In the fall of 1861, the boiler on one of the association's pump engines burst, causing the death of an unknown local worker. The Oak Island Association dug another shaft in the spring of 1862, this time to a depth of 107 feet. This shaft ran parallel to the money pit and connected with the money pit uh, and was used to pump water out of the money pit to 103 feet depth. The water came in faster than the pumps could work, but the association did find some tools used by the Onslow and Turo Company excavations. Like the Turo Company, the Oak Island Association worked at Smith's Cove trying to shut off the flood tunnel system by doing the tried-and-true Oak Island method of drilling shafts in the ground. Never fails. The association tried to seal the shafts, hoping that would block the floodwater. Uh, none of these efforts worked as the seawater managed to get through the barriers. Then, in 1864, the association made another attempt to dig into the money pit. As you probably suspected, this shaft also flooded. Mining engineers came to Oak Island and inspected the money pit, finding it unsafe. Shocking! Uh, the Oak Island Association then ran out of funds and ceased operations. Now, in 1866, the Oak Island El Dorado Company, also known as the Halifax Company, was established to hunt for the Oak Island treasure. At this point, Oak Island was starting to look like a piece of Swiss cheese from all the boreholes and tunnels all over the damn place. So the El Dorado Company started out by trying to shut off the flood system at Smith's Cove. It didn't work, so they figured, ah, why not? And decided to go drill some holes into the money pit. <laughs> Which brought up wood, coconut fiber, clay, and blue mud. But that was about all they found. Despite the name, the El Dorado Company didn't find gold on Oak Island. They gave up the hunt in 1867. In 1896, the Oak Island Treasure Company was working on Oak Island, bringing along steam pumps and boring equipment. And by boring equipment, I don't mean uninteresting equipment. I mean equipment to put more holes in the earth. Yeehaw! Let's get some more goddamn holes on this island. Let's get some boreholes. The company could not pump water out of the flooded shafts fast enough, but they did take some boring samples. Again, not uninteresting samples, samples obtained through boring. It's been said that one of the samples produced an itty-bitty piece of sheepskin parchment on which two letters were written in ink, either V-I, U-I, or W-I. Now, unfortunately, the Oak Island Treasure Company also experienced the second treasure hunting death on the island. On March 26, 1897, a worker named Maynard Kaiser fell into a shaft and died after a rope slipped off of a pulley. In 1898, the company decided to try a little experiment, so they dumped red paint down the money pit in an attempt to better understand the flood tunnel system. It, it was reported that the paint showed uh, three exit holes at different spots on the island. Despite this revelation, the group was not able to cure flooding and recover the treasure in 1909 captain henry l Bowd henry l bowdwin came to oak island as a representative of the old gold salvage group or old gold salvage company as we'll see 
Baudouin is a notable character in the Oak Island story, but also notable was the Old Gold group itself. You see, one of the members of Old Gold was future U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR wasn't just a passive investor in Old Gold either. He was on Oak Island in the summer of 1909, helping with treasure hunting. Wow. Yeah. FDR's granddad, Warren Delano Jr., had provided some financing for other Oak Island expeditions and got FDR hooked on Oak Island. FDR even followed news about Oak Island all the way until his death. Interestingly, FDR wasn't the only big name who invested in treasure hunting on Oak Island through the years. Other financiers included Errol Flynn, John Wayne, William Vincent Astor, and Rear Admiral Richard E. Byrd Jr., who you might remember from our Hollow Earth episode. He knows a thing or two about holes. Oh, yeah. He's seen some holes. Sims holes. See, he's been in some big holes at the ends of the earth. Apparently, Admiral Byrd and FDR bonded over their shared interest in Oak Island. Now, cute. the old... Very cute. Art, that's so cute. It's very cute. Can you just imagine them hugging and talking about Oak Island? Well, I'd like to imagine them both laying tummy down on a bed with their feet up in the air, mm-hmm. twirling their little hair as they read over their Oak Island magazines. That's cute. Reader's that's very digest. cute. Now, Old Gold, re, 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 that's four re's, excavated the money pit down to a depth of 113 feet. They also spent, they also sent divers into the flooded pit to see what was down there, which didn't produce the treasure. And Old Gold bored samples around the money pit, which also failed to produce any significant finds. Captain Baldwin investigated Smith's Cove, where he heard reports of drain tunnels and a ring bolt in a lot in a rock. Uh, all Baldwin found there, uh, were the remains of a coffer dam from 1850. A coffer dam is a structure built in water, which is then pumped dry so that the work can be done below the water line. Captain Baldwin also investigated the stone with strange symbols and found uh, that was found by the Onslow Company. By the at the time, the stone was being used in a bookbinder shop in Halifax, and I mean, they were using it for work in the shop. Not that it was just on display or something. <laughs> Which I guess is cool. pretty important stone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were putting it to good work. Right, yeah. This is a very useful stone. Anyway, uh, uh, Baudouin determined the stone was uh, was uh, basalt, uh, quote, of a basalt type, hard and fine grained, and that the stone did not have any symbols on it. Uh, and this was an interesting finding because in the time since its discovery in the money pit, the stone had grown to... Quite a legend. Uh, yeah. Uh, the stone started showing up in print accounts of Oak Island in 1862, where an article in the July 2nd edition of the Halifax Sun and Advisor mentioned the stone by referring to a June 1862 letter written by J.B. McCulley, where the story of the stone was retold. According to McCulley, quote, Some layers were charcoal, some putty, and one at 80 feet was a stone cut square, two feet long and about a foot thick, with several characters cut on it, end quote. So that's pretty similar to what we already know. But then in 1863, a newspaper article reported the stone had been built into the, quote, chimney of an old house near the pit, end quote. I guess we have to now speculate that the markings on the stone were runes, and thus the stone was procured by crafty Oak Island dwarves to use in the chimney of one of their foundries. However... Uh, Another article in 1863 said that the stone was held by the Smith family of Oak Island, and the article specifically mentioned that the Smiths were not dwarves. So, wasn't dwarves, I guess. In 1864, 
these two non-dwarf storylines merged together. On January 2nd of that year, John Hunter Duvar, the secretary of the Historical Society of Nova Scotia, sent a letter to George Cook, who was involved in hunting for the treasure. In reply, Cook wrote that John Smith built the stone into the chimney of his house in 1824 and that Smith had shown Cook the stone about 1850. Of the stone, Cook wrote, quote, There were some crudely cut letters, figures, or characters upon it. I cannot recollect which, but they appear as if they had been scraped out by a blunt instrument rather than cut with a sharp one, end quote. Cook also wrote that the chimney had since been enclosed in wood and that a staircase had been built around it, so the stone couldn't be seen. Then, in the Oak Island Treasure Company's 1893 prospectus, the stone was said to have been moved from the chimney to Halifax. In Halifax, it was alleged that the symbols on the stone were deciphered by someone named James Leakty. According to Leakty, the message on the stone read, quote, 10 feet below are 2 million pounds buried, end quote. Oh, pretty interesting stuff. But again, when Captain Bowdoin investigated, there were no markings on the stone. Bowdoin was told that the markings had worn off, an explanation that Bowdoin did not find compelling. Bowdoin doubted that the marks would have worn off the stone because the stone was so damn hard. Yeah. You can't break hard stuff. That's true. That's why you and I go hard all the time. Can't break, can't, us break us. can't break us down. Can't wear us down. We're hard always. The thing about the symbols is that they were a little bit of an unknown in Bowdoin's time uh, in that there were no surviving rubbings or tracings or photographs, reproductions and print. Basically, the symbols existed only in the memories of those who had seen them. Well, that all changed with the publication of a 1949 book, True Tales of Buried Treasure written by Edward Roche Snow. Uh, Edward Roche Snow, the book printed a set of symbols, allegedly those which appeared on the stone, which translated the stone's message as, quote, 40 feet below, 2 million pounds lie buried, end quote. In the book, Snow wrote that he got the symbols from Reverend A.T. Kempton. No information was given in the book on how Kempton got the symbols. <laughs> but later it was discovered that Kempton claimed in a 1949 letter that he'd gotten the symbols from a, quote, school teacher long since dead, end quote. Got it from a ghost. Ghost teacher. So make it that what you will, bunk funkers. While the location of the stone is unknown as of this recording, a Knights Templar researcher named Zena Halpern uh, discovered a cipher called La Formule, uh, which has similar symbols to those alleged to have been on the stone found on Oak Island. And here's the thing. These symbols, you can look them up. They're like basic rune shapes. Yeah. Little triangles and doodads. Dots. Little dots. Yeah. Symbols, circles. They look, they look like the PlayStation controller. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> think about think about that. So uh, the Knights Templar of, are, of course, uh, the famous medieval religious order, which achieved great wealth and power. Believe me. We're going to be hearing more about them later. <laughs> Just buckle your seatbelts. So anyway, the old gold salvage group left Oak Island in late 1909 with no treasure, but certainly with Captain Bowdoin doing some good investigative work. In 1928, a story about Oak Island ran in a New York newspaper. William Chapel got interested in the mystery, headed up to Oak Island and dug a big old shaft, 12 feet by 14 feet and 163 feet deep. Southwest of what Chapel believed was a shaft dug in 1897, which Chapel further believed was near the money pit. 
now. You see bunkfunkers. By this time, it was getting kind of difficult to tell where the money pit was exactly since there had been so many excavations on the site and so many different shafts dug. In Chapel Shaft, at a depth of 127 feet, Chapel found a few things, including an axe, a fluke-style anchor, and a pick. Interestingly, the pick turned out to be a Cornish miner's pick, as in a pick used by miners in Cornwall in England in the United Kingdom. This stuff had the potential to be good evidence, but at this point, Oak Island was home to lots and lots of debris left behind from previous treasure hunters. There was no way to know for certain to whom these artifacts had originally belonged. After William Chapel's excavation, Gilbert Hedden purchased the southeastern part of Oak Island and began his own excavations in 1935. Hedden had seen the 1928 article on Oak Island and became interested in the treasure hunt. But before buying land, Hedden made six trips to Oak Island and gathered books and articles about the island. Hedden also traveled to England to talk to the author of Captain Kidd and his Skeleton Island, Harold T. Wilkins. Hedden discovered uh, a link between Oak Island and a map in Wilkins's book. Hedden's 1935 excavation did not yield results, nor did an excavation the following year. That's despite the fact that Hedden's associate located a strange stone triangle on Oak Island, which they felt corresponded to the map in Wilkins's book. In light of this evidence, Wilkins then said the map was a fake credited for the book. After Hedden's work, there were a string of other treasure hunters who came to Oak Island. Edwin Hamilton, Mel Chapel, who was William Chapel's son, and Frederick Blair, his partner, George Green, uh, and William and Victor Harmon. The next real impactful searchers, at least in terms of Oak Island lore, were Robert Restall and his family. The Restalls and their work partner, uh, Carl Grazer, arrived on Oak Island in 1959 after signing a contract with William Chapel. The Restalls left behind their lives as circus daredevils to take up the hunt for treasure on Oak Island. What a life. What a life. Uh, in 1965, the Restalls were trying to seal up what they thought was a storm drain in Smith's Cove. They dug a shaft to a depth of 27 feet. On August 17, 1965, while working in the shaft, Robert Restall was overcome with hydrogen sulfide fumes and fell. Restall's son went into the shaft to save his father and also lost consciousness. Carl Greiser also went down into the shaft, as did two other workers, Cyril Hiltz and Andy DeMont. Edward White, who was visiting the site, was lowered into the shaft on a rope, but only managed to rescue Andy DeMont. Ultimately, Robert Restall, his son, Carl Greiser, and Cyril Hiltz all died that day. This brought the total death count due to Oak Island treasure hunting up to six people. Also in 1965, Robert Dunfield leased parts of Oak Island. Dunfield excavated a 100-foot-wide area around the money pit down to 134 feet deep. This was a big old hole. One big old hole. That's a big hole. Big hole. To do this, Dunfield used a 70-ton crane with a clam bucket. In order to get to the crane, uh, in order to get the crane on the island, a causeway from the mainland, um, Crandall's Point to be exact, to the western end of Oak Island had to be constructed. The 200 meter long causeway is still in use today. Wow. Changing the island. Despite the huge hole and heavy equipment, Dunfield was no more successful in locating Oak Island's treasure than any before him. Dunfield's lease ended in 1966. Then, in 1967, Dunfield was back in action on Oak Island, this time teaming up with Daniel Blankenship, David Tobias, and Frederick Nolan to carry out Oak Island exploration. 
This group started to put holes all over Oak Island, drilling 60 holes in 1967 alone. In 1969, Daniel Blankenship and David Tobias bought up a lot of lots on Oak Island and formed Triton Alliance together. In 1971, Triton dug a 235-foot-deep shaft supported by a steel caisson down to the bedrock. This shaft is known as Borehole 10X, which was also my nickname in college. Anyway, Blankenship and Tobias said that when cameras were lowered into Borehole 10X, the cameras captured what appeared to be tools, possible treasure chests, and even human remains, which, ironically, were the same results of my colonoscopy. The images from 10X were not all that clear. (laughs) And the things suggested by Tobias and Blankenship have not been positively confirmed. In fact, a 1995 study done by the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute demanded that nothing determined that nothing demanded (laughs) nothing (laughs) no determined that nothing conclusive could be seen in the images. So while there was maybe some cool stuff in 10X, it did end up collapsing later and was abandoned for a while. Eventually, it was redug down to 181 feet depth to the bedrock. Work was stopped on 10X again after the partnership fell apart and funds ran low. Divers were sent into the into 10X in 2016, but did not come back up with any artifacts. Triton Alliance operated on the island for a long time, multiple decades even, making it one of the longer-lived Oak Island groups. Over the years, Triton ran low on money more than once, sometimes due to legal disputes with Blankenship and Tobias's one-time partner, Frederick Nolan. Now, by the time Nolan, Blankenship, Tobias, and Dunfield partnered up on uh, Oak Island, the treasure hunt had already received a fair amount of press coverage. The media was slow to pick up on the story in the 1790s, but by now, it was very well documented. The January 1965 issue of Reader's Digest had a story about Oak Island, and as we mentioned earlier, the island was also featured in an episode of the TV show In Search Of... in 1979. This greater awareness of Oak Island inspired a new generation of treasure seekers. It was announced in 2006 that brothers from Michigan, Rick and Marty Legina, <laughs> I read it how it's spelled. <laughs> he calls him like he sees him. I call it L A G I N A. That's Legina. <laughs> Legina. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Legina. Legina is Legina. You're wrong. <laughs> one time I'm going to correct you on a name. Rick and Marty Legina purchased David Tobias' stake in Oak Island Tours, which was the tourism business Tobias formed with Dan Blankenship. The Leginas! <laughs> the Leginas and Oak Island Tours. <laughs> Them Legina boys. Them Legina boys ain't nothing but dribble. Ooh, those Legina boys want nothing more than a wet shaft. Those Legina boys up there stroking all these wet shafts on Oak Island. Where the fuck are those Legina boys? Well, I think I saw them back at Borehole 10X. Them Legina boys are always boring holes in our island. Rick, I told you to shave that beard. When you come back here, I better see a shave Legina. (laughs) Good Lord. Okay, Legina. Purchased David Tobias' stake in Oak Island Tours, which was the tourism business Tobias formed with Dan Blankenship. After the sale, which was for an, an unknown amount, I gotta imagine it's gotta be somewhat significant. Yeah. Blankenship continued in partnership with the Leginas <laughs> and Leginas and their partners, known collectively as 
the Michigan group, which Andy has to hate. Ugh, not a fan fuck of them. Yeah. Uh, assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, they're they're Leginas. Uh, fuck those Leginas. <laughs> oh boy, the relationship between the Leginas and the assholes are very tainted. <laughs> you know, they're pretty close to each other, <laughs> the Leginas and the assholes. That's true. But it's just uh, a the Legina search has been exceptionally well documented in the form of a TV series airing on the History Channel called "The Curse of Oak Island." show began airing in 2014 and for the curious out there the quote curse uh that the title refers to is the local legend that in order for oak island for in order for the treasure on oak island to be found seven people must die we're already at six so watch out rick and morty dude finds a pickle at the bottom of borehole 10x funniest shit i've ever seen calls himself pickle agina Funniest shit I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> Turned himself into a pickle vagina. So funny. The Leginas have certainly done a lot of work on Oak Island. That's what they are now. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but they're Legina now. Yep. Uh, the Leginas have certainly done a lot of work on Oak Island and have found some interesting things. At the end of the day, though, the mystery remains. So since we don't know exactly what the deal is, Here's the only thing left for us to do. Speculate. And honestly, Bunkfunkers, there's been a ton of speculation about what could be buried on Oak Island. Some have suggested that what's buried on Oak Island is very valuable indeed, especially considering what some see as defense mechanisms built into the island to protect the loot. Obviously, there's the flood tunnels. We've talked about them a lot already, but clearly a lot of people feel like the flooding on Oak Island isn't accidental, but was designed by people to protect the treasure. As too many treasure hunters on Oak Island have found, this is a good defense mechanism because it's friggin' hard as shit to pump out the entire goddamn ocean. Yeah, dude. It friggin' sucks to try and pump the damn ocean. Anyway. I mean, I've tried. Yeah. It God knows I've tried. Friggin' sucks, dude. Anyway. The suspected uh, way the flooding initially happened is that whoever built the money pit designed it with some kind of airlock at uh, a certain depth, which, when breached, allowed the flood tunnels to fill the shaft with water up to the tide level. It is worth mentioning here that not all of the holes dug near the money pit have had the same issues with flooding. Now, we hear you skeptics out there saying, but yeah, no shit, dumbass. Dig a hole and you'll eventually hit water. Uh, well, first of all, I don't appreciate your language. <laughs> second of all, well, then a second, egghead. This ain't friggin' groundwater that's filling up these shafts. It's salt water. This is salt water. It's salty. This is from the ocean. Once people figured out that the holes were filling with salt water, they started trying to figure out where it was coming from, which led to Smith's Cove. At Smith's Cove, it was noted that when the tide went out, the water could be seen going uh, out from the shoreline at different points. Now, trying to figure this out led to the discovery of engineered box drains and a man-made filter made out of coconut fiber, eelgrass, and beach stones. Under the filter were the box drains themselves, which uh, were made of flat stones in a fan shape, converging to a point near the high tide mark. Discovery of the box drains led to the discovery of a tunnel running to about 460 feet from Smith's Cove, 
at about a 22.5 degree angle connecting to the money pit about 111 feet down. The tunnel was two feet, six inches wide and four inches high, which some have said bears similarities with tunneling techniques employed by Cornish miners. Oh, those Cornish miners. Cornish miners. Signature tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> At any rate. Known for their tunnels. The speculation is that once the flood tunnel was built, it was back filled with rocks to prevent the tunnels collapsing and stopping the water flow. Now, there's also a, a suspected but not proven second tunnel from the island's south shore cove to, to even further down on the money pit shaft. With such elaborate defenses, there better be something good possibly stashed away on Oak Island. And obviously, bunkfuckers, you know what number one is on the list of possible things Oak Island is hiding. Treasure! We know that right from the get-go at Oak Island, it was suspected that Captain Kidd's treasure might be buried on the island. Well, taking that a step further, Captain Kidd allegedly also pulled treasure with Henry Every and maybe used Oak Island as some kind of a pirate bank. It's further been suggested that multiple pirates might have used Oak Island as a pirate bank. Every uh, is kind of an interesting story, and if Every's treasure is buried on Oak Island, that's the mother load, baby. Every was, a, was famous for pulling off one of the most profitable acts of piracy ever recorded. In 1695, Every teamed up with some other pirate ships and attacked a fleet of Mughal ships on pilgrimage to Mecca. All told, the pirates took upwards of 600,000 pounds sterling in loot, which is about 92 million pounds worth in 2021 money. A huge bounty was issued for Every's capture, which led to a worldwide manhunt, the first of its kind in recorded history. Ultimately, Every was never captured, and his treasure never recovered. But Kid and Every aren't of the only pirates who might have stashed loot on Oak Island. One hypothesis holds that Edward Teach, also known as Blackbeard, you ever heard of him? Uh, hello? Once said he buried his treasure, quote, where none but Satan and myself can find it, mm, end in, quote. In the butt. He buried it in the butt. That's true. <laughs> he might have been his butt. Now, maybe Blackbeard was talking about Oak Island, though, Andy, not his oh, butt. Oh, the butt of Canada. The butt of Canada. There's also a possibility that Oak Island holds riches looted from Panama City in 1671 by the original Captain Morgan, Captain Henry Morgan, famous for his rum. <laughs> yeah. Rum a dum dum. Captain Morgan and his men spent <clears throat> three years capturing and looting nearby villages ahead of their attack on Panama City. After winning the battle at Panama City, the pirates sacked it for three weeks straight, carrying the loot back to a captured village called Chagre. Now, the pirates demanded ransom from Chagre to leave, and Chagre refused to pay. Morgan told his men to destroy the village. And while they did that, Morgan sailed away with most of the loot. Now, that's a fucking pirate. That's a pirate move right that's there. That's a pirate move. Some say Morgan sailed northward, stashing his treasure safely out of the grasp of southern pirates. Or he sailed back to Jamaica to become governor. <laughs> a tale as old as time. Yeah. We've all heard it. That's true. Pirate goes, stashes his gold on an island somewhere, and then comes back to be the head of a government. And then also invents putting one leg up on something. Yeah, nobody had thought to do that before. He's the first. Hmm? Very eventful life. Besides pirates, author William S. Crooker, in the book Oak Island Gold, points out that the money pit could have been created by folks as diverse as the Knights Templar, the Freemasons, or the Incas. That said, 
Crooker believes that the British dug the money pit to stash the money looted during the British invasion of Cuba during the Seven Years' War. The amount taken from Cuba was estimated at a value of one million pounds sterling. That's a lot of cheddar. That's a good amount of cheddar. That is a solid I want to sniff that cheese that's aged cheddar. Oh, it smells good. It's also been speculated that the British could have dug the money pit to store the spoils of Spanish gold. Spain sent many ships to the Western Hemisphere, and some of those ships returned to Spain with plundered riches. That said, plenty of Spanish treasure ships never made it back, sinking on reefs or during storms. One such incident happened on Halloween, October 31st, 1641, my exact birth date, when the Spanish ship Concepcion hit a reef near the Bahamas and dumped a large treasure in the not-so-deep compared to the rest of the ocean water. In, eight, in 1685, the King of England gave William Phipps the right to search for the Concepcion and recover its treasure. Phipps came back to England in 1687 with more than 68,000 pounds of silver, a feat for which Phipps was knighted. Phipps went back to the site of the wrecked Concepcion, this time with an extra ship to carry loot. While the return voyage didn't reportedly yield much additional treasure, Phipps' whereabouts in the period suggest that he would have had the resources and opportunity to dig the money pit to hide treasure from the second trip to the Concepcion. In 1690, for example, it's known that Phipps was at Port Royal, Quebec, so he would likely have been familiar with the waters around Oak Island. It's speculated that Phipps and company caused an underground cavern to cave in during the construction of the money pit. The cave-in meant the group could not get to the treasure, so the British government sent... uh, So the British government sent engineering teams to Oak Island to try to get the loot, but none of them could. Eventually, the British decided to abandon trying to get the treasure and fuck over any other people who could use that money by just booby-trapping the hell out of the money pit uh, by building the flood tunnels. But hey, maybe the Spanish themselves are behind the money pits. Uh, I don't know. Mamma mia. I don't know. They're not Italian. They'd be like, (laughs) Spanish. Barcelona. The Spanish themselves are behind the money pit. Barcelona. Eh. I'm sorry to our to our Spanish listeners. Yeah, we know we legitimately have listeners in Spain. So That's true. Art owes you a full apology. I owe an apology for this podcast existing and a flogging. A flogging. I'll flog off for a minute. Uh, hey y'all, welcome to my flog. <laughs> hey guys. It's totally possible that the Spanish sailors dug the money pit to store the cargo from a crashed treasure ship. Ooh, so tantalizing. But others have speculated that the money pit might be holding riches plundered by the Spanish from the Incas, the Maya, or the Aztecs. This hypothesis could and would certainly help explain the coconut fiber found on the island. We haven't talked about that, Andy. What are coconuts doing there? Because they're not, coconuts are not famously native to North America. I mean, Famously, you know, Harry Nilsson taught us all to put the limes in them, but right, yeah, taught us all to put the lime in we'll the put coconut. the lime in the coconut. We drink them both up. That's right, but they're not they're not native. He didn't, you know, he 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 didn't find he didn't go out back of his house and pick a coconut. Yeah, yeah. Harry Nilsson didn't focus enough on that song about the uh, Colombian exchange. <laughs> Fuck you, Harry Nilsson. They were introduced to the Americas by Europeans during the Colombian exchange, as you just mentioned. Wow. However, there is some evidence that the coconut may have been introduced to Panama earlier through Austronesian sailors. Thank you, Austronesian sailors, for bringing the coconut and the sweet potato to the Western Hemisphere. Thank you, Austronesian sailors. I do love a good coconut. 
And I love it as a uh, garnish, anything coconut. I don't like coconut water, though. But coconut milk. Coconut flakes. Fried coconut. Put that on a dessert. I'll eat it up. Uh, and Almond Joy is one of my favorite treats. Oh, yeah. Love an Almond Joy. Uh, what are your feelings on sweet potatoes? They're okay. Hmm. Okay. They're decent. Solid starch. You know, you sure cover them with brown sugar and marshmallows. I mean, you basically might as well just be eating, a, you know, let's, let's not act like they're the most healthiest food on the planet. You know what I'm saying? I won't. It's also worth mentioning that coconuts, while being not native, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah while being not native to the Americas, were not all that uncommon, even in Canada, as early as the 18th and 19th centuries. Coconut fiber had a number of applications, including in shipbuilding, so it might not have been all that out of place on Oak Island. Anyway, in a similar vein, some have speculated that the treasure from the Incan Empire ended up on Oak Island, only that the Incas were the ones who brought it there. There's a story told about Francisco Pizarro, the Spanish conquistador, uh, who promised a room full of gold in exchange for not murdering King uh, Adhuapa. Uh, despite the promise, eh, Pizarro had the king murdered anyway. <laughs> Classic Spain. Don't trust a Pizarro. Yeah. Yo, Pizarro in your Cheerios. Yeah, he'll, he'll, uh, he got pizzoned. He got pizza, Pizarro yeah. pizzoned. Yeah. <laughs> king Atahualpa ended up in a pizzone. He did. King Atahualpa's uh, general found out the king was murdered while on the way to deliver the gold to Pizarro. Given the change in circumstances, <laughs> the general had the gold hidden. Some say it was put in a cave or thrown into a lake. But some people say it ended up on Oak Island in the money pit. We haven't even talked about the French yet. Oh. Ah, the French. How, how could we forget the French? In this baffling world, John Good Godwin wrote that the money pit was probably built by the French army to hide the treasury of the fortress of Louisbourg, after the British captured Louisbourg during the Seven Years' War. Louisbourg was in Nova Scotia, not particularly close to Oak Island, but still along the coast of Nova Scotia. Other people have speculated that the money pit was constructed to hide the cargo of a treasure ship destined for Louisbourg. And yet others still have suggested that Oak Island might be the home of Marie Antoinette's jewels. In fact, this is the hypothesis that FDR believed. So the story goes that on October 5th, 1789, workers marched on France's Palace of Versailles. French Queen Marie Antoinette commanded a lady-in-waiting or a maid to leave Versailles and take Marie's jewels with her. Obviously, not long after this, Marie lost her head. But the maid or lady-in-waiting successfully made it to London with the jewels and possibly other treasures from the palace. She then went to Louisbourg from London. While this is a good story... Some have suggested that there wasn't enough time to construct the money pit and place Marie Antoinette's jewels in it, considering that the maid didn't flee France in didn't didn't flee France until 1789, and the money pit was discovered in 1795. In a similar type of story, some people think the money pit has treasures from the Cathedral of St Andrews in Scotland. During Oliver Cromwell's Lord Protectorship, items looted from wealthy English people were allegedly stashed in the Cathedral of St Andrews. A huge cache of loot came up missing in 1560 and was never recovered. So people suggest that it all ended up on Oak Island. 
All right. That's all well and good, bunk funkers. Now let's talk about some real deal fucking treasure now, okay? Let's, we take off the training wheels. The baby crib guard is down. The, the doorknob baby guards are down. They're off. The medicine, the childproof medicine lock is off. Let's fucking talk about some real There's treasure. Just open pill bottles everywhere. Open pill bottles. We're snorting stuff. We don't know what it is. There's an open fire in the fireplace. We're going. Let's let's talk about some real motherfucking treasure, Andy. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's Gold. Do it. All this shit is nice. What about one of the most holy artifacts in the world, Andy? You can never get this back. Well, some folks, like author Stephen Sora, have suggested that Oak Island's money pit was just such artifacts. In the book, The Lost Treasure of the Knights Templar Solving the Oak Island Mystery, Sora posits that exiled Knights Templars could have dug the money pit to hold the Ark of the Covenant or the Holy Grail. Whoa, those are some artifacts now. Now, that's some real deal shit. That's, that's, that's gangster. We've talked about the Templars before, and likely one day we will have to do a full episode on them. If you're not familiar, the Templars were, as we mentioned, one of the most powerful and wealthy religious orders in medieval Europe. The Templars gained fame for their fighting prowess during the Crusades, but were also known for their financial smarts. King Philip IV of France ordered the Templars in France to be arrested in 1307. Philly was in debt to the Templars and used the arrest as a way to, you know, get out of debt to the orders. Ah, it's, it's the best way. A lot of pirate moves throughout, throughout this whole story from... Yeah. Both pirates and non-pirate people. I know anytime I take out a loan, I just immediately have the, the bank arrested. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, there were a host of charges brought against the Templars, including blasphemy. There was no evidence, but the Templar leaders were eventually burned at the stake. And later in 1307, the Pope issued an order to arrest all Templars and seize their assets. Facing this persecution, the story goes that a lot of the Templars went to Scotland for safety. When they fled, they took with them all the treasures of the order, including possibly the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant, two of Christendom's most holy of artifacts. Eventually, these treasures made their way across the Atlantic to be hidden away on Oak Island. To make this story even more intriguing, after the Pope's orders, the Templars continued to operate in Portugal, albeit, you know, under different names, where King Dennis... King Dennis? Yeah. Or Denise. <laughs> I guess I don't know for sure. It looks like King Dennis, Dennis the first <clears throat> refused the golden God. <laughs> King Dennis, the first refused to comply with the order. Some people claim that Portuguese explorer, mm, Joao Alvarez. Fogundas. Fogundas. I don't, I'll be honest. Sounds like something strong. Bad. I don't say. know. I don't know Portuguese. Names. Oh, I got an email from. Wow, Alvarez Fogundas. Time to check my email. As me, strong bad. Ah, uh, Fogundas. I like saying. Oh that. no, I got Fogundas. Ah, oh, I got the Fogundas. The cheat gave me Fogundas. Come on, everybody, Fogundas go wild. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. The cheat is go Fogundas. Everybody, come on, 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 Everybody do the limit. The cheat is to the limit. Everybody for Gundas do was. <laughs> Gundas sailed to Nova Scotia in 1521. So it's possible some of the Templar holdouts were aware 
Nova Scotia. It's a good story, Art. It's a great one. <clears throat> but maybe what's hidden on Oak Island was deposited there by none other than English luminary Francis Bacon. There's a couple of different Oak Island connections to Francis Bacon. First, there's speculation that what's hidden on Oak Island are manuscripts that reveal Francis Bacon as the true author of the works of William Shakespeare. We did a whole episode on the topic, so check it out if you want our juicy verdicts on it. At any rate, in 1953, author Penn Leary published The Oak Island Enigma, a history and inquiry into the origin of the money pit. In the book, Leary claimed that not only did the documents buried on Oak Island show Bacon to be the author of Shakespeare's works, but that the documents also revealed Bacon to be the leader of the Rosicrucians, the European Hermetic Order. This thread has been tugged on by other authors and researchers, and there's another hypothesis out there that Oak Island's money pit was a project devised by Bacon and the Rosicrucians to hide ancient esoteric knowledge and artifacts. Researchers like Peter Edmondson uh, and Daniel Runestum have claimed to find codes in the works of Shakespeare, geological features on Oak Island, and in artworks and documents from Bacon's time uh, that all refer back to Oak Island. Runestum also said that the stone found in the money pit with the weird symbols was a cipher with symbols created by Francis Bacon. Uh, they actually cover this quite a bit in the uh, Curse of Oak Island TV Ooh. show. Further watching, bunk bunkers. Now, Andy, to add some fuel to this fire to Ooh, cook light, up this, this bacon. Yeah, light me up, baby. Uh, bacon was known to be experimenting with using mercury. Mercury. <laughs> mercury. Mercury. Word I cannot say. This is a long-standing piece of lore. This is very true. This is not a bit between Andy and I. I cannot pronounce that word. It's not. It's not a bit. Mercury. <laughs> to preserve documents, some empty flasks were found uh, in one of the earlier excavations on Oak Island, and these flasks had traces of mercury in them. Now, Bacon was also a Knights Templar initiate. Also, Francis Bacon's servant Thomas Bushel, Bushel who became a mining engineer, recovered several flooded mines, allegedly with the help of Cornish miners. They keep popping up, Cornish miners. miners. Bushell fought uh, for the Royalists in the First English Civil War, after which he went into hiding for several years. Perhaps those years were in hiding spent on uh, Oak Island, Andy. <laughs> Perhaps, Art. Oh! <laughs> but other people have other ideas about what the heck is going on on Oak Island. Author Joy Steele has suggested that the money pit is a tar kiln going back to when, quote, Oak Island served as a tar-making location as part of the British naval stores industry, end quote. Some have suggested that the money pit was actually a pumping station for a dry dock used by pirates. If true, Oak Island would have been one of the very first shipyards in North America. According to this story, the tunnels and other man-made works discovered on Oak Island have lots in common with known dry docks in the West Indies. Oak Island's location and its proximity to a pirate, quote-unquote, headquarters makes it a reasonable option for a dry dock. The real issue with this idea is that evidence of a windmill has never been found, which would have been essential to pump water from the dry dock chambers. Marine biologist Barry Fell examined the symbols from the cipher stone in the 1970s and determined the symbols look similar to the Coptic alphabet. Uh, according to Fell, to Fell uh, the stone reads, The people shall not forget the Lord to offset the hardships of winter and the onset of plague. The Arif, which is a priest, uh, he shall pray to the Lord. 
according to Fell, he claimed that Coptic people from North Africa sailed to Oak Island and built the money pit. And still other people have suggested that the money pit is the remains of an old pyrite mining operation. 16th century English explorer Martin Frobisher was trying to find the Northwest Passage. And Queen Elizabeth I told Frobisher to find gold to help offset the cost of the exploration. In 1577, during Frobisher's second trip to what's now called Frobisher Bay in Nunavut, Frobisher brought back 200 tons of pyrite. On a return voyage, he dug a few mines around Frobisher Bay and brought back 1,350 tons of ore. During smelting, everyone figured out that Frobisher hadn't found gold, but instead only got fool's gold. Big oof. Big oof, Big brother. Oof. oof, that's got to hurt. Oof size large. There's not really... Oh, my God. <laughs> there's not really a lot of evidence for this idea, but there you go anyway. Uh, researcher Dennis King believes Oak Island is the remnants of an old salt works. According to King, Smith's Cove has a natural saltwater spring on the beach, as recorded by contemporary accounts and re-recorded by Dan Blankenship in 1970. King says the operation was set up to help preserve fish caught in the... Uh, area waters, salt being an essential preservative. To King, Oak Island makes sense as a site for a salt works because at the time, salt was relatively scarce and was heavily taxed by both the British and French governments. Oak Island would allow for secret salt production to avoid taxes. King thinks the salt works would have worked this way. A coffer dam was built in Smith's Cove, then the finger drains were built. The drains uh, were covered with rocks, uh, eelgrass, coconut fiber, and then sand. Then a well was built uh, at the place the drains converge. King claims Robert Dunfield excavated the well in the 1960s. Basically, all of this would help concentrate the salt in the water, which would then drain into the well. The concentrated water would be collected, then boiled at a structure King says was discovered by Dan Blankenship on the beach at Smith's Cove. Boiling allowed the salt to be collected from the water. Bugfuckers. What would a story like this be without at least some mention of the Freemasons? I mean, come on. Author Mark Finnan, in his book Oak Island Secrets, wrote that many Masonic markings can be found on Oak Island and that the money pit has some resemblance to a Masonic initiation rite with a hidden vault and a sacred treasure. In fact, black bear enthusiast and skeptic, you know, whichever one comes first. Some might say he's the first one first, but he's the second one first. He might be a skeptic second. Yeah. Joe Nickel. <laughs> Even notice similarities between accounts of searchers on Oak Island and the secret vault allegory in the uh, York Rite Freemasonry. Well, hey, right, speaking of Joe Nickel, oh, let's get into what skeptics have to say about the mystery on Oak Island. Honestly, a lot of skeptics see Oak Island's many pits and booby traps as natural features. Joe Nickel put it pretty blunt bluntly, at least in the way I'm paraphrasing him. There's no treasure. The money pit is a natural sinkhole. Shut up. Jeez, Joe, relax. Oh, fucking buzzkill. Buzzkill. <laughs> Chill out, Joe. As Joe point out, points out, there have been suggestions that the money pit was a natural occurrence, like debris accumulated in a sinkhole or other geological feature. And those suggestions have been around since at least 1911, when Captain Bowdoin suggested just that. In support, Joe points out that the island has other sinkholes and caves. In fact, a sinkhole appeared on the island in 1878, swallowing up Sophia Sellers' oxen while plowing the ground. Bye-bye, little ox. Sorry. According to Joe, the money pit trick tricked people into making them believe it was man-made. Stuff in the sinkhole was softer than the ground around it, so people thought the spot looked like it had been worked before. 
As for the different layers or platforms in the money pit, Joe says those can be explained by natural debris, rotten logs, damaged by storms or wildfires, falling into or washing into the sinkhole periodically. Interestingly, a pit similar to the money pit was found in 1949 on the shore of nearby Mahone Bay as some workers were digging a well. There was a soft part in the ground, and so the workers started digging. Here's what one said they found, quote, At about two feet down, a layer of fieldstone was struck. Then logs of spruce and oak were unearthed at irregular intervals, and some of the wood was charred. The immediate suspicion was that another money pit had been found, end quote. Yeah, I guess it does kind of sound like Oak Island, but that doesn't account for all the flooding. Riddle me that one, Joe Nickel, Mr. Black Bear. Maybe it's a black bear. Maybe it was a black bear. The black bear built the flood tunnels. Maybe he did. Oh my God. I mean, I'm no Joe, no Joe, Joe Nickel, but hey, anyway, I'll, I'll try to explain that, Andy. I'm not a Legina brother, but I'll try. <laughs> I'm just a Legina drinking Orangina. That's me. It's me, uh, Mario and Luigi Legina, the Super Legina brothers. Hey, everybody, it's Rick and Marty Legina reminding you to have a delicious, refreshing Orangina drink orangina the pulpiest weirdest little drink <laughs> enjoy it with your friends enjoy it with your friends geologists might say that oak island sits on water filled uh and anhydrite and hydrite cavities which could explain the flooding and hydrite is a type of easily dissolvable limestone which when dissolved after coming in contact with water forms caves and voids speaking of flooding the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute conducted a two-week study in 1995, the first scientific study ever done on Oak Island, by the way. The Woods Hole did dye tests in the money pit and determined that flooding was caused by natural tidal pressures in the island's geography. This finding directly contradicts the idea of man-made flood tunnels. Wow, what a tale. A 200-year-long and counting treasure hunt. Despite all the efforts of so many people, Oak Island is unwilling, or maybe unable, to let us in on the secrets it holds. Maybe someday in the future, some savvy treasure hunters will be able to give us some clarity to what exactly, if anything, is buried under the soil at Oak Island. Until then, let's focus on our own money pits, our ever-insatiable mind tummies. What's at the bottom of your money pits, bunk funkers? Are you finding a void? Do you become flooded? Or did you breach the vault and find the ultimate treasure? The whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. 
As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Hey, welcome back, Bug Vuggers. That was our research of the Oak Island Money Pit. The Money Pit. Money, oh, money, what a money. great club, the Money Show Pit. Show me the money. Show me the money. I Every year, I fly out to Nova Scotia. I go to Oak Island, and I stand at the end of the causeway, and I go, Show me the money. <laughs> Show me the money. They should have just got Cuba Gooding Jr. up there. He would have gotten that money. Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, what a fun topic, Andy. Oh, my God. Isn't it's such a fun, a fun topic. topic. Uh, Art. Love this topic. You mentioned it at the top. Uh, Josie suggested this. I got excited because Oak Island is a topic that I have an interest in personally. Uh, you want to go there and dig in little holes. <laughs> no, I don't think I want to get involved in any of the treasure hunt. I just think it's a very interesting story. It's a fun story. It's Who a, doesn't love this story? It's this a good a, story. You got pirate treasure, wacky millionaires buying islands because they're they think there's treasure there. Yeah, husband and wife circus people. Ah, uh, you got the Leginas. You got the fucking Leginas. <laughs> I got a couple of Leginas out there now. I mean, who doesn't love a treasure hunt? Show me somebody who doesn't love a treasure hunt. Scavenger hunts? Treasure hunts? It's good, wholesome fun, Andy. Hey, I got a question for you. Somebody came up to you. I got a question for you, too. Okay. But you go first. All right, I was going to say, um, have you ever watched The Curse of Oak Island on this show? No, channel? I have not. Okay. Just ask him. I don't think I've watched the History Channel. That's, I don't think I've. That's had, a valid, very valid thing to say. I haven't had cable since. Yeah, probably before that show. Yeah, aired in started 2014. in twenty fourteen. Yeah, I I have watched a, a fair amount. You but, are the only man left in the country who has cable. Actually, yeah, I think so. I'm the only person. You are single handedly keeping Comcast up. You're welcome, Comcast. <laughs> um, no, I've watched it. I think that it's actually. I'll say this. I think there's a lot of like shows that on History Channel that don't make any sense to me. Yeah. And I think on its face, this like is you've one... seen all of Ancient Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Ancient Aliens and this this one, like I could see where people look at that and say that doesn't belong on the History Channel. Yes. But I almost feel like this one does. Because it's it a does. very historical very historical kind of uh mystery. You can um, learn about pirates, you can learn about Templars, you can learn about the French Revolution. Yeah. There's a lot of history. This is one that's really like spiraled out from Oh, it's got its tendrils. It's got little money holes and shafts all over. Oh god. This this mystery spreads its shaft all over the world. It's got shafts all through history. Much like Ludacris and his hose in different area codes. Oh my god. Can you dig it? The shaft. Oak Island. <laughs> Oak Island money pit has shafts in different areas codes. Shafts and I don't know what rhymes with shafts, fuck. Shafts and different rafts. Shafts. Uh, on different graphs. Yeah, there you go. Shafts on different graphs. Uh, Andy, do you want to go on a treasure hunt? If someone came up to you and said, hey, let's go on a fucking treasure hunt, oh, do you think you'd come along? God, that's hunt? a good question. What's uh, Treasure hunts are fun. Yeah. It's only really fun to be had. You know, I mean, unless is... you fall in and die, <laughs> but... Yeah, Whatever. I guess I would probably maybe ask a couple questions about the circumstances I of the think, treasure hunt. I think Where the odds are we going to go? What are we going to do? You know, what's the idea? Do I have to dig with a shovel? Uh, is there going to be somebody I'm just there watching? Am I helping? Uh, 
do I, you know, am I just there on the journey? Uh, I'd ask some questions, but I would be real tempted to go. This is fun. There's a lot of stuff you bring up hypothetical scenarios to me. And I know bunk funkers, you're going to say this. I shit all over them. I take a, I pull down my pants and I take a big fat dump on everything that art tries to, he tries to introduce a little levity and I go, fuck you. I don't want to have any fun. Life is too hard. I'm worried I'm going to die. And it's like, <laughs> I'm going to die anyway. I'm tired all the time. I'm tired all the time. My life is a mess. I'm a, such a disaster. No, I'm not going to go do anything or be any thing or have fun or enjoy myself because I love wallowing in my fucking self-pity and my horrible choices about everything ever. But a treasure hunt, I'm all kind of on board for He's that. He's almost on board with the treasure hunt, Bunk Bunkers. No, obviously you'd have fucking questions. Some fucking guy, oh, you want to go on a treasure hunt? Just like, who, the, who the fuck are you? In the middle of the loop, some guy comes, you want to go on a treasure hunt? Yeah, you'd be like, no. It's what like, the fuck are you talking about? Uh, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. But there's just something fun about treasure hunting. I don't know what it, it is. It is fun. I think a lot of people like treasure hunts. I think most people like a scavenger hunt. I love a scavenger hunt. You know, it's it's treasure hunting is almost like gambling. It's almost like gambling. But it feels But you don't have to invest anything. Yeah, that's the thing is you feel like all you have to do is dig a hole. Yeah. I that's, mean maybe some time, but like the journey of a treasure hunt can feel more fun than the journey of gambling because there's no journey with gambling. You're having like kind of a ley lines type of message here. Where like about? modern lay hunters, you know, they kind of say, it's like, a... it's even if, even if ley lines aren't real, it's about getting back into nature. It's about walking around the countryside and exploring where you live. It doesn't even have to be that. You could go on a treasure hunt in, your, in, the, in the, the city. I mean, yeah. when I was a teenager, one of the fun things a group of my, my friends and I would do is every year we would do a, a scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunts are fun. Uh, three or four friends. We, we had a big, I had a big friend group. It's actually, it might come as a shocker. I mean, Dane Cook style shocker, two in the pink, one in the stink style shocker. And a lot of bunk fuckers that I had a large group of friends and I was sociable <laughs> at one point in time. Um, now I've whittled that down to like half a friend. Yeah. Maybe two people who can tolerate me. And it's great. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I stay home alone all the time. But uh, no, there was like a good 30 people in my friend group in high school. It was a large, weird group of of smorgasbord of people you had mostly theater kids but also cheerleaders you had kids on the football team you had you had kids uh who didn't do anything wow uh they were this is a nothing. real breakfast club of a very group breakfast here. clubby and of course i was the cute basket case <laughs> <laughs> no uh i was a dorky, as you are in every group dorky theater in. kid but uh anyway this isn't a fucking therapy session uh <laughs> We would do a scavenger hunt. So like three or four people would be the uh, leaders. They would break everybody into teams and they would write like a scavenger hunt of, well, it was more like a, it was more like a, it was more like, I guess it really wasn't a scavenger hunt. It was more like a dare. It was actually called dare night. Actually it was, there was no scavenging involved, but you get the picture. <laughs> there was no treasure hunting. It was just somebody created a dare and it was you, dare you, night. So like, you know, you'd have like fun little dares. You, your whole I had thing to put was... whipped cream on my boobs and then have somebody lick them off. That was like a dare and then film it. This might've been like a blackmail thing that my friends did just for me. Okay. So there's no scavenging involved. So yeah, everybody loves Regardless, treasure hunting. <laughs> if somebody wanted to set up a scavenger hunt, I would go on a scavenger hunt. Oh man, I feel so, so competitive about a scavenger hunt. 
In college, I feel like there were scavenger hunts that they would put on. If you on. get me in a scavenger hunt, I'm like, I want to win this fucking scavenger hunt. Isn't it? Yeah. That's the way I am. Have feel. we never gone on a scavenger hunt together? I don't think so. God, we should have done scavenger hunts instead of those fucking hot wing shows where you and I almost died. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> fucking keeling over, almost dying at those goddamn wing shows. I did all right the first time. The second time, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I got a wing cut sideways in my digestive tract. Scavenger hunts are so goddamn fun. There's something about it, though. There's something about geocaching has always been something that I've kind of been mm-hmm. interested in. Yeah. Which is very scavenger hunty. Right. And as far as all the things we've covered, I would love to go to Oak Island and see the money pit. Yeah, for sure. Why not? It could be fun. Because, yeah. you know, it's it's a thing you can make a day out of. You'd go you'd go to Nova Scotia or Canada and you'd do like a little trip. But, you know, you'd be like, oh, let's stop at the money pit. That's the thing. They do have tours. Uh, it's it's privately owned. The island is entirely privately owned. It's a private island, but um, you know, they do Oak Island Tours is the business that uh the Michigan group has with Dan Blankenship. I have a suggestion for the Dan Blankenship Blankenship has unfortunately died. So R.I.P. Dan Blankenship. Oak Island Tours lives on though. And to his brother Kenny Blankenship from MXC. <laughs> uh I do have a suggestion hey, for Hi, the- it's me, Vic Romano. There you go. <laughs> I'm Guy Ladouche. Um <laughs> I'm talking uh, about Gila Douche for a while. I ha- I do have a suggestion for the Legina, the Legina brothers. Yeah. I think they should rename this yeah. to the Sunk Cost Fallacy Island. Wow. Oh, my God. Woo. Oh, geez. I got to take off all my clothes because it's getting freaking hot in here. Whoa. Fucking roasted them, dude. God damn. The Sunk Cost Fallacy Island, baby. God damn. How much money have they put into this damn thing? Millions, I think. Millions. And what are they going to get out of it? Maybe. I- Maybe priceless artifacts. You know, yeah, if you if you really think about it at this point, as many people has have been on Oak Island, I, I don't know how I was going to say that, but there's been so many. <laughs> let me try this. Let me approach this <laughs> sentence from a different structure. There's been so many people that have come to Oak Island looking for treasure. There's been so much money spent on treasure hunting operations on Oak Island. At this point, the only thing they can dig up that will make it all worthwhile, six people have died. The only thing they can bring up out of the ground is something that's priceless. Right. That there is literally no market for because it's so invaluable. So At this point. I feel like if they dug us up, that would be a perfect fitting end because we truly, there's no market for us. We there's are zero com- market. We have no value. No. Nobody wants to listen to us yeah. or cares about our well-being whatsoever. Right. We're invaluable. Um, therefore, we're invaluable. That's true. Mm-hmm. You cannot put a price on us because it's, it's like air. Yeah. I mean, even air probably has, you could, you could buy oxygen tanks. Yeah. Um, I have to say the Leginas are coming at it at a bad time too, I think. Why do you say that? In a good, in, at time in a good way in that, you know, like um, Marty Legina is, was, was like, um, what I want to say, like an energy exploration type of character. Okay. So like he's familiar with like mining technology and like the technology they use to like find oil underground and stuff. And so they employ a lot of that on the Island now. Uh, And he's brought people in from like his business, uh, which is where he made his money was like in mining or whatever in energy. Uh, And so he's brought people in that know this stuff. And so from a technology and equipment standpoint, they have a lot of resources uh, hmm. That they can utilize. Obviously, it still costs them money. Um, you know, he sold his business like years ago, and Jesus. so he just has all these connections, and he has lots of money, and he also runs a winery in the Upper Peninsula. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So like they grow grapes up there and make wine. Um, but so we're just saying, okay, we get it. The Leginas have it, have it fucking made. So Marty has it made. Rick was a mailman. Rick was a postal worker. Uh, like, I don't know. I think I have the, it's, it's like, it's like night and day. It's like Marty Legina is this mining tycoon makes yeah. millions of dollars selling his mining business. Right. And then Rick Legina is like some, uh, postal worker on disability or something. And, Rick Legina is the one who read the the article in Reader's Digest, the Oak Island story in the 60s. They were kids. He got hooked on it. Wow. Like followed it ever since. And then it's like, oh, hey, Marty, you sold your business. Now you're a multimillionaire. Why don't we buy up Oak Island and yeah. we can go treasure hunting? Let's burn all that cash, baby. So that does create some drama because they're brothers. And they're the ones in the Curse of the Oak Island. Yeah, they're the they're the like they're kind of the main stars of it because the Legina brothers. It's like they're there. Like Dan Blankenship is in the earlier season. Obviously, Dan's died now, so he's not going to be in the latest season. But which is ongoing right now as of the time of this recording. But wow, uh, Dan's son David is there. David Blankenship uh, is on the island, um, and then it's mostly just the Leginas and their crew that they bring up to help. Uh, and they're they're doing like all the heavy work because Dan was like in his nineties, and David is like like has, that's an excuse. Yeah, <laughs> get back in that borehole, old man. <laughs> Crawl back down there, blanket ship, and dig us out some fucking dig balloons, us out some fucking gold. Um, but they, you know, I say that they're coming at it at a good time from that standpoint that they have good resources and they have capital, and they have good technology and they have smart people involved. Whereas like a lot of the efforts. Over the years, yeah, like I mean, nothing, nothing against Dan Blankenship, but he's just kind of a guy trying to do this by himself right. in a lot of ways. Like it's not like huge crews and sophisticated equipment. It's like it's kind of like DIY type of treasure hunting, which is cool. But uh, they're kind of coming at it at a good time, I think, from technology, but a bad time because the island is fucking wrecked. Really, like if you watch it, I mean, it's like there's so many holes all over the place. Like, really. It's just like, at what point does it just like, does everything just like cave in? Like they have to be really careful about this heavy equipment that they bring up to the money pit area. Wow. Which is now just like, you know, because of all the, the excavations, it's just this like bare spot on the island. Just looks like a fucking Minecraft survival mode. Yeah. And some it, asshole just put TNT everywhere. And it's like we said, they don't know. <laughs> like now it's kind of like they have to make a map of it to like even understand. Oh my God. And, it is the sunk cost fallacy yeah. island. <laughs> and nobody really knows now where the money pit is because there's so oh many holes. I mean, you know, it's like there's a lot of different like people. I mean, I think people like uh, there's a guy named Charles Barkhouse who's like a historian. Yeah. Who's on the show a lot. And it's like. I don't know. I was reading something about like a map he made and he's like the guy on Oak Island. Like he runs, he leads the tours and he's, he's the like, money pit man. He's yeah. the pit master. Yeah. He's the pit master. He's the money pit master. And he's got the money shot. It's like, even he made a map and he put the money pit in. And it's like, people are like, no, that's not right. You know? So it's like, there's so much disagreement about which hole is actually, which like they know which one 10 X is for sure, because it's got that big steel case on in it. Right. So, it's they know which one that is like that's that's Dan Blankenship's borehole, uh, his lasting legacy, but you know they did that. You know Dan expected them to come. You know it's like the borehole is all filled with shit, like debris in there and stuff because it was abandoned for a while. Wow! And they sent divers down there on the show. You get to watch this on the show, and like Dan's very convinced that they're going to come back up with something. They come back up with nothing. Like 
they find stuff, but it's like, it's all dark and stuff. These are like drivers who are trained to do this kind of thing. They can not come up with anything. Jesus. And that's like everything on Oak Island, right? Like it, it's very much like a Bigfoot thing to me, you know, hmm. where it's like, you know, you know how TV shows about Bigfoot. Oh are, yeah. Where it's yeah. like they build the drama and then nothing happens. Right. And it's like, they all that happens is that one guy fell down the stairs. I won't say that the Leginas haven't found anything. They found some stuff. Like and didn't they find the gold things. chain at some point. Yeah. Somebody they found find a gold like chain. Chains. They find coins. Like they found like some tools and some of this stuff gets dated to being pretty old. Cornish miners. Yeah. <laughs> Cornish miners. The problem is now there's been so much crap left behind you don't know, is this a legit artifact or yeah. is this just something that somebody left from one of the earlier operations? Like, are you finding some new evidence or are you just finding the remnants of an old excavation? And it's really true. hard to tell. It's true. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's, 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 it's an enduring mystery. It's interesting. Well, I, mean, I think there's only one man that we could count on to, to truly uncover the mystery of the Oak Island uh, money pit. And I think uh, we need him and I'm going to ask all bunk funkers. To reach out to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jeff, 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 don't go out into space, Jeff. One, we one, need you to uncover the money pit. One, one trillionth of your wealth would be equal as much money as has been spent collectively on Oak Island to this point. I think Jeff Bezos has, has enough money that he could literally dig under the money pit, raise it up out of the ground, and yeah. then we could just, I don't know, fucking dig through it and shit. Yeah. Without yeah, any let's water. Just, let's just get some of the aircraft to just lift it up a bunch of helicopters like a cartoon and we'll just figure it out <laughs> we'll just why don't we just take the oak island money pit and move it over there Je jeff bezos could actually pump the ocean out probably if anybody could do it it's jeff bezos yeah our superhero our superhero <laughs> our savior jeff bezos <laughs> our amazon overlord our Congratulations to Jeff Bezos. Where were you when were Jeff you Bezos doing? became the richest man in the world? <laughs> Did it make you feel like crying because you were so fucking proud? <laughs> I tell you what, though, Andy, whoever built this fucking money pit, I mean, depending on your verdict, I got to say, this is some great trolling. <laughs> these fucking this pirates is an epic troll they're like hey we buried we buried this treasure in the ground but hey i put some pumps out to the ocean these fuckers are never gonna be able to get it i gotta say something oh boy here he goes daniel McInnes. I, I feel like i am getting set up for disappointment i'm wrapping myself up in a blanket bunk bunkers arts prepared for the worst i have a blanket <laughs> down here in the studio in the bunker and i wrap myself in it what do you think of daniel McInnes? I think that uh, he was a big Tom Hanks fan. First of all, <laughs> second of all, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I. I've never met the man. I don't. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion of him. I kind of like. Seems like a guy. He's like, hey, an oak tree next <laughs> to a soft spot on the ground. There's fucking treasure here. <laughs> like, it's like oh, what? I don't know. What I kind of like leap? the way he rolls. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just dig here. I just love that it's like. 40-year-old man wandering around island where I he doesn't even live there, I don't think. Like, he's just wandering around, and he's like, oh, shit, there's treasure here. I better go get some teens and help me dig this treasure out. Some strong young teens. Let me go get them. Hey, hey you. Hey, how old are you? You want to come dig out some treasure? Well, uh, I'm, I'm 25. I'm 20. No, no, get no. The I need out here. Get the fuck out here. <laughs> I need young muscle. 19 or less. <laughs> These need to be strapping young boys. <laughs> dig, dig that hole. 
I, I'm 25. I'm a blacksmith. No, you're fucking weak. This is a treasure. We're going to be digging boreholes. Can't have you with your scrawny little arms. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is very fucking weird. And um, I don't know. It just it, it caught on like wildfire, I guess. I don't. Uh, you know, I read I was reading some stuff, too, about um, kind of the the lore of Oak Island. Yeah. And there are some people who find it pretty hard to understand how it got from Daniel McInnes to today uh, in that, hmm. you know, the McInnes expedition, they dug down 30 feet and then they quit and they didn't come back. And it's like, seemingly they would have had the ability. They were just doing it with shovels. Like, you know, some people say they stopped for superstitious dread or whatever, but what really would have stopped them from coming back and digging a little deeper? You know what I mean? Maybe McGinnis was a fucking creep because he was yeah. <laughs> teens. Yeah, that and the could teens be. Were like, ah, we're gonna leave. Other people in town found out about it, and maybe McGinnis got kicked out. I don't know. But you know, some people are saying like it really wasn't that eventful. Yeah, like, and everything that's happened since is because it's been retold. It grew into kind of a legend because who knows? Maybe McGinnis is talking at the local pub one night or something, and he like tells kind of a tall tale about what they found. And it just kind of catches on. And it's like through this, you know, like over the centuries now, mm. telephone game, some of the older stuff has been embellished. And so there's this myth making about it that doesn't actually correspond to what truly is there on the island mm. or what they even found initially. Because the recorded accounts, you know, there's expeditions, there's excavations happening before anybody's even writing about this. You got McGinnis, you got Onslow, you got Turo Company. There's not really a lot of evidence about this. So if somebody says today, like, hey, they found the skull of, you know, your mom on the island. (laughs) You'd be like, what the fuck? I'd be like, why would you come at me like that? But, you know, it's like they could say we found the skull of uh, Gandhi on the island. And it's like there's no documents that say that they didn't. You know what I mean? Like, so if this is somebody, if this is like a firsthand account, Kind of like, well, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Hmm. And then it it could become part of the lore. They found Gandhi's skull from the future in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, there there is sort of a uh, undocumented catalyst to this whole thing. Yeah. People are just sort of rolling with it. Yeah. You would think that like today with that technology that they could fucking like, I mean, I have no idea. But they could scan the fucking island and, I don't know, do some, like, infrared shit or something. Yeah, they did. Um, some like, tests for metals. In Curse of Oak Island, they've had they've had people out there with metal detectors. Yeah. Um, you know, they do a lot of, like, in the past, The obviously, what you see is that when people want to find something under the ground, they dig a huge hole, like, that can fit a person in it. But this team is doing more, like, they get a big long drill bit, but it's not very big. And they're doing it just to core a sample and see if they find anything. And they're using like ground penetrating radar and metal detectors to like help them target it. So it's a very it's like a more scientific approach oh, yeah. than I mean, obviously, like you got Dunfield digging a fucking hundred foot hole in the ground, like <laughs> that's the least scientific approach. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, you know, if I dig up literally all of the ground I'll be able to see if there's anything under there. Right. But he, you know, they did. I mean, they 
Somebody tapped on something. That fucking sucks, though. Those idiots should have kept going. Yeah. It shouldn't have stopped. You were at it. They were the ones who had it. Yeah, yeah. That was the money shot, and they fucking went to sleep. Yeah, they they tapped it with the crowbar. Although, you know, the speculation now is kind of like there's this mass of, like, it's like wood and, I don't know, concrete or clay or whatever, and it's like this box in there, and... It's like when they, on Curse of Oak Island, they like cored this thing. They like figured out where it was and they cored it and the drill bit went through these layers and then went into a void and then went like through to the other side. So it's like, it's like a box. And so there's this speculator, oh, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Um, but, you know, it's in that, there's not anything conclusive out of that. And that's a lot of what this is. It's like, well, that's interesting. But then it's like, is there anything in it? But we can't get that box out. So they, I mean, I think that's kind of the speculation is that the guys in the Onslow company, they tapped that thing, whatever it is, and that's what they hit. And then that's what, you know, then they ended up with the flooded pit. I want to know what's in that box. I know. I do too. But you're right. I agree with you 100%. I get that it's dark. I get that it's nighttime. You just hit something. Fucking dig it up. You're this close to it. Just dig it up. I know. You just probing with a crowbar. It's not like it's. It's not like you had like a wand, a metal rod that's like forty feet long, and you don't yeah. know how long you're gonna have to dig. It's like it's a crowbar. Just do just it. Dig it. Fucking dig it up, Fucking dude. Dig. Fucking water and shit. Like, can you imagine what that guy must have been like? Who was like, "Well, it's too dark. Let's call it off for the night." And he comes back, and everything's fucking flooded. Oh, you had to feel like shit. Yeah. Fucking dummy. Stupid idiot. Stupid, right. stupid idiot. He's fucking idiot. If we were on that fucking dick oh team. Oh my God. I would have had the treasure by now. I would fucking have it. You'd be looking at me. I'd look like King Homer. <laughs> oh my gold and riches. Oh my Spanish gold. I'd be sleeping in the Ark of the Covenant. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd have, I'd have an Ark of the Covenant waterbed by now. <laughs> Which is what I've always wanted. I want to sleep in the Ark of the Covenant. I'll be drinking my skim milk from a Holy Grail. I'm going to put up the Israelites ancient tabernacle and sleep underneath. I'm going to have all of Shakespeare's manuscripts written by Francis Bacon <laughs> on my bookshelf. I'm going to be dressed like a Templar knight. That is unrelated to anything that's <laughs> happening. I just like to do that. Um, it's a fun mystery. You know, obviously I think we're getting into verdict territory here, but um, what do you think? I mean, Andy, what do you think? Man-made or not? You think those are man-made traps? I think that's some weird fucking uh, wow. natural bullshit going on. Whew. It's a tough question. If I look at it this way, like from all the tunnels and stuff, I'm thinking it's natural. But then you get to Smith's Cove. Yeah. And there is like, I mean, people call it a box drain. There's what seems to be like some sort of a man-made, uh, you know, it's this eelgrass, yeah. uh, coconut right. fiber kind of like net type deal, like a filter almost. A filter. That goes over it. Like, it's hard to ignore that some of this stuff seems more man-made. But, you know, it gets back to the point of like, when was this built? Who did it? Like, are we looking at the results of something that predated McInnes? Or are we looking at something that happened after that? And it's hard to say. I mean, I guess I lean more toward the natural explanation because that's just how I am. I don't like to have fun. 
uh, and I'm a horrible person to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. There's there's enough hair on this one that you know I, I couldn't. I can't say with like certainty that it's all man made or it's all natural. Hmm. Just the same thing my doctor said about my body. Hey, there's enough hair on this. I can't tell if it's all natural. True. You are much like a kiwi. Yeah. I am green on the inside and filled with seeds. But you're very sweet. Yeah. When you want to be. Mm-hmm. But I do need to peel you. Yeah. To get to that sweetness. Do you do you always peel the kiwi? Do you eat the skin? Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I, it doesn't, it's not very pleasant uh, to eat like a big chunk. But if you slice the kiwi thin, it's fine. Well, why would I want to slice kiwi that thin I'll i don't just, know i just kind of think peeling it's sort of a pain it is a pain in the ass you do lose a lot of flesh because mm-hmm. the way you really peel a kiwi is you just fucking just chop off you chop it into like a square yeah it's like you a know. mango yeah but a mango has that tough rind on the center well no i just mean like in the yeah uh, where you, you shut off the, the cut off the sides like cut, you know and then you make the squares i i i don't like buying mango Right. Like a whole mango because I feel like I waste so much of it. Right. You just so you, and it's so messy. And maybe I'm just a bad mango cutter. Maybe. Probably. You know, I know some people like to say, oh, well, you're definitely going to get some mango on the pit. So just suck on the pit when you're done. It's like a mango pop. But it's a big ass pit. Yeah. It's some of those big, big ass fucking mangoes. You ever seen those motherfuckers? <laughs> I'm looking, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm looking at those. I'm like, uh, what's going on over here? These are huge. I'm like saying this to the fucking. Guys, people who work there, I'm like, ah, what? These are here right here, huge. <laughs> Everybody, look for Art's new stand-up special, <laughs> Groceried, <laughs> coming to uh, Netflix uh, tomorrow. <laughs> um, a little sneak peek, sneak peek behind the curtain. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. But uh, y- you know, you could try and peel a kiwi, <laughs> kind of do one of those things where you make an incision and then you like roll your knife around the kiwi, but it's so messy. You lose all the juice. Yeah. What you're better off doing is just cutting the kiwi in half and then just eating it with a spoon. Yeah. Scooping it out. Eating the flesh out like a fucking rabid animal. Oh God, so good. Kiwi's wonderful. Love that. Love kiwis. Thank you. You compared me favorably to a kiwi. You said you love kiwis. You're your first punk fingers art loves me. Yeah, well, only in sparingly. <laughs> so, too so much of a good thing is a very bad thing. Uh, what do you think of this coconut fiber? Well, I mean, that pulls into my verdict, Andy, because I have a very specific. Oh, okay. So I don't know. All right. Maybe I don't want to spoil it then. Yeah, maybe you don't. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll just say like coconut fiber is kind of interesting. Very interesting. They did some radiocarbon dating on the coconut oh, fiber. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's like, do you believe this? Uh, radiocarbon dating? I guess. Why wouldn't I? Well, you know, it's like there's so many factors that could change the timing of it. Oh. It's very approximate. They dated it to like 800 years before the sample. So it would have been to like the, you know, 12th uh, or 13th, like like 12th to 14th century. Does coconut fibers last that long? I think potentially it could. I mean, the thing that they, the thing that the report says about coconut fiber is that coconut is like an annual crop, so it's easier to date. But the thing also said that if the, if the coconut fiber had been in like contact with driftwood or it had been heated, that could like they made some assumptions in how they tested it, 
then some of that stuff could have like affected the outcome of the testing. So it could change the accuracy of the dating. So it's just interesting because it's like, well, then that would put, you know, the coconut fiber is pre-Columbian. Right. Which is interesting because there's not really, I don't think a lot of archaeological evidence that coconuts were common in the Oak Island area. No. Pre-Columbian times. It's it's part of the 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 garnish on the uh, whole enchilada on the oh Oak Island that just makes it so interesting. Yeah. It's like a little papa cilantro. Yeah, what's the coconuts doing here? What are these Cornish fucking artifacts doing here? What's this little piece of paper? But then you have people who say, well, coconut fiber was a useful thing. People used it to make ropes, so it had agricultural applications. It was used in shipbuilding. Hmm. Coconuts came you know, in the like 16th century uh, to the new world um, or maybe even before in some parts, coconuts were known and available in like places like Toronto, even in the 19th century. So it's like, you know, it's, if it's contemporary to the time, it's not that uncommon. Not that strange, even though it seems pretty strange to be on Oak Island. And then it's like with, uh, what was the other thing you brought up? The Cornish. Oh, the Cornish stuff. Yeah. It's like, we don't know if that's just tools that were brought, you know, that people had that were working on it. Like, it's so hard to say. Or is that, or were the, did the tools exist before someone uh, started excavating or were they left by people who were doing the excavation? It's the real question. Well, I think we got to get to verdicts here, Andy, because that's that's where we're headed. Yeah, we're, we've been drilling I, a borehole <laughs> through this conversation, and uh, I got to hear your verdict. I mean, Bunkfunkers, before peek behind the curtains here, Art told me he had a lot to say about this. Well, I think I did, didn't and I? he just he just flashed me a few seconds ago his phone, and he's got like a whole thing written on this verdict. It looks like. Oh, but he's giving me a look, so I think I didn't say it right. But anyway, <laughs> this is the script. Oh, okay. I have well, the script open on my phone. Well, I'm excited. But to I do have notes. I take notes, and the notes are sitting. <laughs> okay, well, this is a big misunderstanding. On the I'm second monitor, you're very wrong. And what I flashed you was my penis. Oh, I forgot you had all those LED lights installed on it, so it looks like a phone screen. <laughs> all right, here's the verdict. Swipe me. <laughs> you ready? Okay. Buckle up. Plausible plus. I think there's fucking treasure on Oak Island. Wow. Because I want to believe it. It's way more fun that way. And fuck it. Why not? Yeah. But the thing is, plausible plus, the story I believe the most, okay, is, um, God, what was his name? Uh, William Phipps, who searched the Concepcion and recovered its treasure. You think William Phipps I think he had the quiche. Yeah. I think he had the wherewithal. I think he had the tools and the resources. I think he knew where Oak Island was because he had been seen in Quebec. And uh, I think he did it. I think he, but here's the thing. I think he, I think he buried it deep in there and he was like, I'll get this shit back. This shit will be so fucking easy to get back. Maybe, I don't know. I do not know whether those are man-made tunnels or not. Mm -hmm. But I do think that maybe then the government, the English government came in, they tried to get that treasure back. They fucked it up. It's sunk. It's, it's, it's stuck in there. Yeah. And uh, it's all fucked up. And then I think when people started digging like McGinnis and um, Turo Group and the Onslow Group and these other groups, I think they fucked it up even more. I think that they 
maybe got close to it. Yeah. But those people who had like the flood people, mm-hmm. whichever group that I can't remember which group it was, Ansel group. The first flooding, the initial flooding? Yeah, the yeah, original Onslow. one where they, they knocked on it and then they left yeah, for some yeah. fucking reason. Onslow. I think they were the closest that anyone will ever get. I think it's totally fucked now. Yeah. Like I said, that's, uh, this island <laughs> is fucked. Yeah. We fucked it to death. Literally. We have literally fucked this island to death. There are holes all over this island. Yeah. And it is now probably, who knows where it is, crushed, buried, destroyed. Yeah. Um, I still want to know what's in that box. I think it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. <laughs> but... <laughs> What a twist. Plausible plus. I think there's I think there was at some point in time treasure on Oak Island. I think there's a money pit treasure, but I think it's been fucked to death. Wow. Fucked to death. Plausible plus. <laughs> you heard it here first, bunk bunkers fucked to death. Plausible plus. Um I'm just gonna go how I feel. Go for it. Don't hey, you wanna be don't be who anyone who else who you are. <laughs> Oh my God. So inspirational. Don't be anyone who else you are. (laughs) Just be yourself, Andy. Okay. And if yourself is a fucking (laughs) buzz killing (laughs) fucking shithole, then be that. Uh, I'm going plausible minus. Okay. Um, Because I like, I like what you said a lot. Um, I do agree. I think that it would be nice if there was treasure on Oak Island. Um, and like I said before, I think there's enough like hair on this that it enough coconut fiber. I can't say yeah, enough coconuts, little scratchy coconut fibers on here that I can't say like oh, there's definitely nothing. But uh, I lean toward that there isn't anything, and there never was. Wow. But I totally agree with you. Like the efforts to find it now are so complex because there's so much people have fucked it to death, um, and that's like the real issue is that the money pit area. If there was anything there before, like the whole thing is like so unstable. Yeah. Um, you know, excavations are tricky because of, you know, there's also like regulations to consider and stuff now, you know, cause it's, you know, kind of a historical site now. So right. it's like, there's, you know, it, it's just hard. going to be hard to like bring a treasure out of there and short of like, <laughs> I don't know, going from underneath the Island. Like, I don't know. Jeff Bezos style. Jeff Bezos style. We need Jeff Bezos and James Cameron to team up. That's true. And take this on. I I just, I don't know. It's like I said before, at this point, the only way that it could be worthwhile from a like financial perspective is if it's truly unique, priceless artifacts that come out of the ground. Right. If they find the remains of the treasure from the Concepcion, everyone will be like, this is great. It'll be a cool story. (laughs) And then, you know, people will be like, geez, six people died for this, huh? Wow. (laughs) Anyway. We already had some of this. Let's go back to Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to Michigan. Let's Uh, go back to the Legina compound. Let's go back to the Legina compound up there on the UP. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Andy, you're entitled to your opinion. (laughs) As much as it might not, <laughs> as much as it might kill the buzz. Uh, but buttfuckers, those were our verdicts. Let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Ooh. Uh hashtag borehole. Hashtag borehole. Gotta be. Let us know what you think. Email us mrbuckerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbuckerpod. Find us on our website, mrbuckersconspiracytime.com. Mm-hmm. 
YouTube. YouTube search Mr. Bunker Pod. Find some of our old vids on there and episodes as we upload them. Uh, Reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. We are not affiliated, but that's the uh, Reddit community. And, and uh, if you feel so inclined and you have the means to do so, find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. We're not affiliated with that either. <laughs> well, we are affiliated with the perks that you get from it, which is a new episode every month of our Patreon-only show, Andy Nerd Debunked, uncovering some of the wildest, weirdest, wackiest stories that have a concrete ending. Yeah. Or not- just topics that we enjoy, like the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. We got we get into some wet, wild fun. On we covered serial killers for a little while. We covered uh, weird musicians like Gigi Allen. Mm-hmm. We've covered uh, Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got some other things planned, Bunk Funkers. Oh, wink, 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 wink. Working on some big proyectos that you're going to get first dibs on. Yeah. If you're part of the Patreon. You also get access to the Bunker Discord, Bunker Newsletter. Oh, the Bunker Discord. Oh, oh you got to get in there. Great Discord. Great discussions. I'm sure Great we'll talk community. about this topic. Um, but yeah, Andy, uh, any last words for this topic? You love this topic. Oh man. Uh, I think that it's a good story and, um, you know, uh, I think that history channel actually did a decent job with the show. Hey, shout out to the history channel. Like, not, I mean, you know, this is not like, I'm going to say like, oh, this is the greatest thing on TV that I ever watched because wow. okay. you know, it's, it's, it's produced TV. So there's a lot of like manufactured drama and like cliffhangers that don't end up being anything. Uh, So, but it's interesting. I like seeing the, uh, you know, being able to like see the excavations and stuff because they are doing actual work there. That is neat. The Leginas are doing actual work there. That is neat. It's not just for TV. Well, shout out to the Leginas, shout out to the History Channel, but no shout out for the titular Mr. Bunker. Fuck you, Bunker, wherever you are. If we ever see you again, (laughs) fuck you. I mean, it's been ages since we've seen you. Since the trial, you've just disappeared from yeah. the earth, but fuck you, dude. Yeah, can't even remember the last time we saw you. Well, for not him, but for my Belvedere. Go <laughs> 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 Andy Hart, I'm Art Stone saying that. This is the whole enchilada. Oak Island, Oak Island, will you be mine? <laughs> Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. 
wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.